Hello, folks, and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation. Uh, appreciate everyone coming back again tonight, or if you're listening now on the archive, that is available on uh, many platforms, podcast platforms. Uh, so you could do iTunes, you could also uh, iHeartRadio uh, here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you could get it, uh, you know, a podcast. Uh, apps as well, uh, such as Comcast, uh, podcast, things of that nature. Um, I know one of the ones that I use uh, when I you know, get accept that use iHeartRadio, but so there's this simple this podcast player. I mean, that's the one uh, that I have as well. Um, and so there's different, definitely many places to, and that's CastBox uh, is another one out there for you. So tonight's uh, show, we will not be joined by our uh, good friend, uh, Joseph. He's got some things he's got working on there, uh, so we're going to wish the best of him. We'll uh, probably hear back from him uh, next week. Uh, so we, you know, are uh, hopefully we'll, you know, see him then. And so uh, welcome to the chat, bringing on, boy. Um, uh, Robert, I got a, a good, a full show tonight. Yeah, I know we kind of had a little snafu. Okay, we, I didn't. I had a snafu last week, uh, but I'm I, I'm correcting it because it's the first thing I did was make sure uh, that I had it where the show would last for its entirety. Uh, so, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we should have a full show tonight. Uh, and of course, uh, last week we were going to talk about, of course, how the Democrat Party is planning on uh, winning or path, uh, paving their path to the White House uh, with lies. And we didn't get to do that show. We'll touch on that on this one. Uh, but tonight we're going to be talking about, of course, last week was the DNC convention. This week is the RNC convention, which perhaps many of our uh, live listeners are, are watching now. Uh, so we'll see if they uh, you know, tr- uh, tr- uh, trickle in uh, this evening. And so, but I wanted to really do a contrast because this, these past two weeks are certainly going to show a contrast uh, between the you know what america would look like you know, we've talked about this on, on many shows but what america would look like uh between a trump administration you continue the trump administration or a biden administration and by looking at those contrasts uh we can really see how uh democrats actually uh can find themselves uh where we can you know we, all of us have democrat friends they all we all do I know it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, convince them uh, to vote for Trump because they probably only listen to MSNBC, CBS, CNN. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we would be more, you know, as their friends and family. You know, hopefully we would have more influence on them than that. Maybe not the way it, it, it has been today, uh, you know, these days. But you know, we got to have some kind of pull, at least some kind of influence. Uh, on our, you know, our, our Democrat friends, and, and how can we bring them in? Uh, now, of course, uh, one of the ways I like to bring them in is to compare what the, you know, Democrats of today are in comparison with the Democrats, you know, especially the, the presidential people, uh, candidates uh, of JFK. And I really, you know, because it's not the, the party of the, the Democrat Party is not the party of the JFK anymore. And so what I'm going to like to do tonight, of course, we'll take our callers. Give us a call at 347-945-7428 if you're already in on the call. 
If you'd like to chime in on that, push the one on your number dial. And so what we'll, you know, part of our, you know, nights out with audio and, of course, our conversation and our discussion is, you know, comparing what a JFK administration, you know, was, or at least JFK himself. Uh, we're not going to dwell on that a lot, but, of course, I, I do like to illustrate that with this moon speech. I'm not going to play the entirety uh, of that, uh, but, you know, there's a couple abbreviated ones. And so I just want you to hear the – so we'll have a little montage uh, of, of that, or just one of his, but then a montage of, of the Democrats and, and how you could tell uh, they have changed, and not just changed from, you know, the vision, I think, that JFK had not, uh, for America, uh, but also their tone, uh, the, the tone of hopefulness. I mean, you've seen the – the Democrats, of course, are great at projecting. Of course, they're projecting, saying, "Oh, all the you know, conversations and speeches from Trump, you know, they're all dark and foreboding about America." When actually, they're the ones uh, who are spreading all the negativity, all the darkness, and it's going to be worse. I mean, look at all the things that they're doing with the, or not doing, I should say, with all the the violence going on in America, propaganda arm or technical, which I say is more aptly an apt description of uh, the media today. Of the DNC. So what we'd like to do is, you know, we're going to make that comparison for we can, you know, again, we we do have our our friends who are, you know, Democrats who, after seeing what the Democrat, you know, what their Democrat Party is like, uh, maybe they can have, you know, what a lot of maybe even our parents did when it came to Reagan, when they became Reagan Democrats. Maybe we could get some Trump, uh, um, or Biden Democrats over. So. or I'm sorry, Trump Democrats over because of Biden, much like because of you know you got the Reagan Democrats because of uh, the peanut farmer, <laughs> you know Jimmy Carter. I don't like to even use the, the, the peanut farmer, but I was at a, a Trump event tonight, and someone mentioned uh, some mentioned him, and they they called uh, Carter, you know, the peanut farmer. So it, it kind of stuck with me tonight. So I apologize. <laughs> For that, but anyway, so I'm going to get our first article here. We got some, not article. I'm sorry. Uh, we have our first uh, audio here. We got some articles, of course, as well tonight. Uh, but of course, uh, having you folks uh, talking into the conversation, doing the conversation, that's what you know, Bard's logic is about. Uh, but let's go ahead and make those comparisons here. Now, this is the uh, first audio I'll play, and this, of course, is uh, you'll hear JFK. Win the battle that is now going on around the world between freedom and tyranny, the dramatic achievements in space which occurred in recent weeks should have made clear to us all, as did the Sputnik in 1957, the impact of this adventure on the minds of men everywhere who are attempting to make a determination of which road they should take. Since early in my term, our efforts in space have been under review. With the advice of the Vice President, who is Chairman of the National Space Council, we have examined where we are strong and where we are not, where we may succeed and where we may not. Now it is time to take longer strides, time for a great new American enterprise, time for this nation to take a clearly leading role in space achievement, which in many ways may hold the key to our future on Earth.
I believe we possess all the resources and talents necessary. But the facts of the matter are that we have never made the national decisions or marshaled the national resources required for such leadership. We have never specified long-range goals on an urgent time schedule or managed our resources and our time so as to ensure their fulfillment. Recognizing the head start obtained by the Soviets with their large rocket engines, which gives them many months of lead time, and recognizing the likelihood that they will exploit this lead for some time to come in still more impressive successes, we nevertheless are required to make new efforts on our own. For while we cannot guarantee that we shall one day be first, we can guarantee that any failure to make this effort will make us last. We take an additional risk by making it in full view of the world. But as shown by the feet of astronaut Shepard, this very risk enhances our stature when we are successful. But this is not merely a race. Space is open to us now, and our eagerness to share its meaning is not governed by the efforts of others. We go into space because whatever mankind must undertake, free men must fully share. I therefore ask the Congress, above and beyond the increases I have earlier requested for space activities, to provide the funds which are needed to meet the following national goals. First, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space, and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. We propose to accelerate the development of the appropriate lunar spacecraft. We propose to develop alternate liquid and solid fuel boosters, much larger than any now being developed, until certain which is superior. We propose additional funds for other engine development and for unmanned exploration, Explorations which are particularly important for one purpose which this nation will never overlook, the survival of the man who first makes this daring flight. But in a very real sense, it will not be one man going to the moon. We make this judgment affirmatively. It will be an entire nation, for all of us must work to put him there. Secondly, an additional $23 million together with $7 million already available, will accelerate development of the Rover nuclear rocket. This gives promise of someday providing a means for even more exciting and ambitious exploration of space, perhaps beyond the moon, perhaps to the very end of the solar system itself. Third, an additional $50 million will make the most of our present leadership by accelerating the use of space satellites for worldwide communication. Fourth, an additional $75 million, of which $53 million is for the Weather Bureau, will help give us at the earliest possible time a satellite system for worldwide weather observation. Let it be clear, and this is a judgment which the members of the Congress must finally make, 
Let it be clear that I am asking the Congress and the country to accept a firm commitment to a new course of action, a course which will last for many years and carry very heavy costs, $531 million in fiscal 62, and an estimated $7 to $9 billion additional over the next five years. If we are to go only halfway or reduce our sights in the face of difficulty, in my judgment, it would be better not to go at all. Now, this is a choice which this country must make, and I'm confident that under the leadership of the space committees, of the Congress, and the appropriating committees, that you will consider the matter carefully. It is a most important decision that we make as a nation. But uh, all of you have lived uh, through the last four years and have seen the significance of space and the adventures in space. And no one can predict with certainty uh, what the ultimate meaning will be of mastery of space. I believe we should go to the moon. But I think every citizen of this country, as well as the members of the Congress, should consider the matter carefully in making their judgment, to which we've given attention over many weeks and months. Because it is a heavy burden. And uh, there is no sense in uh, agreeing uh, or desiring that the United States take an affirmative position in outer space unless we are prepared to do the work and bear the burdens to make it successful. If we are not, we should decide today and this year. This decision demands a major national commitment of scientific and technical manpower, material and facilities, the possibility of their diversion from other important activities where they're already thinly and spread. It means a degree of dedication, organization, and discipline which have not always characterized our research and development efforts. It means we cannot afford undue work stoppages, inflated costs of material or talent, wasteful interagency rivalries, or a high turnover of key personnel. New objectives and new money cannot solve these problems. They could, in fact, aggravate them further unless every scientist, every engineer, every serviceman, every technician, contractor, and civil servant gives his personal pledge that this nation will move forward with a full speed of freedom in the exciting adventure of space. Okay, folks. So yeah, I made a lot of points in that, that short uh, audio. You know, I want to make some you know some points there uh, on what he said. And what we're really looking at uh, is in the beginning of, the, of that part of his speech, uh, he was talking about freedom versus tyranny, and we are facing that again. And what I mean by that is that I'm going to use two different two different terms. And explain how uh, you know what. Of course, they're very, very similar. Uh, and then I don't call it that it's freedom versus tyranny, uh, like he did. I'm saying the vote for Democrats that they can vote for America is because what they're actually doing is they're voting between not just Trump and, and Biden. They're voting against liberty versus submission, and that's how I see it. I see that that is one of the big things that this 
you know, this election is about. It's about continuing our liberties, our continued liberty, our continued prosperity, working towards a future where we see Americans back on the moon and then the Mars. But what we're seeing is, you know, our liberty to defend ourselves is at stake, where we can't have, you know, you have people on our streets threatening our, ourselves and our families and our property, and yet they don't want us to uh, don't, don't want to allow us to do that. So we're going to even lose, you know, could lose our liberty because they're not going to do anything about it. I mean, look what happened to those two uh, the two couples that were on, I believe it was uh, the night before last. You know, were trying to defend their home and they try to. I mean, they they're, they're fine now, but they did make the attempt, you know, to have these people arrested. And, and what did Biden? say about what did Kamala Harris have to say about that so we're not even going to you know are we not going to have the liberty to even defend our own property our own lives our own homes because we're going to have to we're going to have to do it ourselves because these people want to defund the police but instead of our liberty what they want to do is they want us to submit not and, and not just submit to the black lives matter organization or to their cancel uh, culture. But they also want us to submit to the government. The Democrats no longer want see it as them serving we the people, them serving the citizens of the United States. In their mind, we serve them. And if we don't serve them, they're going to use the, the, their people to beat us into submission, literally. I mean, you have people literally who've gotten beaten up for wearing a mega hat. I mean, yeah, they had uh, the guy from Covington Catholic, Nick Sandman, on last night. Uh, and, well, you know, while he wasn't beaten, you know, but there, which is great, you know, but you have people who are just for wearing a mega hat, you know, and so they're going to, you know, they're going to burn cities. They're going to you know, tear down stores. And this is happening in Democrat cities. So they're, you know, and then it's it's just going to spread out. And why are they doing it in Democrat cities now? Is that they're doing it in Democrat cities uh, because they're going to allow it to happen so that they can use the, these. This is just my analysis, folks. Okay, but what I think is that there are, you know, these liberal mayors and governors are allowing this to happen in the city because they want the American people. They want the American people to see this. Because they want the American people to be scared. They want the people cowering in their homes. They want the people who are, you know, are relying on the, uh, on the government. Okay, we're going to get to that in a moment. That, so that's what they want us to submit to them. That's what a Biden-Harris uh, administration – let's be honest, folks. We're really talking about a, a, a Harris administration because within a year, uh, if he gets elected within a year, he's done. I mean, he's 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 going to drop out. I think he'll step down, and then who knows who she would, you know, who would be her her VP. And so let's go. I mean, I've got other points I like to make, but you know, this is of course our roundtable, so I don't want to uh, be like standing at a podium. So let's go ahead and bring in Suzette. Uh, thank you very much, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. That was a good call. Oh, anytime. Thank so uh, my com- <laughs> my comments on that kind of go to what you were saying, uh, as far as um, what the Democrats in these Democrat cities um, are doing. So we have Democrat tyranny, and they're at the hands of um, domestic terrorism and or terrorists. 
and they're pretty much allowing it to happen. You know, there's no if, answer or buts about it. The mayors, governors uh, don't want Trump's help. And when you have other um, congressional members or other officials that are reaching out to the president for help that he offered, um, then, then they get shot down um, by their superiors. And so, yeah, those are people that live in Democrat states like mine. Um, luckily, where I live, I don't, we don't, uh, aren't subjected to <laughs> so far anything, knock on wood, <laughs> about what's going on, thank goodness. But, uh, yeah, so, and, and people are getting tired of it. They're playing their states, and, and um, they may not vote for um, President Trump, but they're saying that they definitely wouldn't vote for Joe Biden. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and then you've got – I tell you what, what, as you know, I follow Twitter on here. And I just – you know, we've, if anyone who's out there, you know, on Twitter and following, you know, this stuff, there's one person on there uh, – the, the most that's not, that, that's driving me crazy is when well, I drive me crazy, but uh, I don't I usually don't like to let people get under my skin. But you know Alexandria Chalupa, remember her? You know and she's always mm-hmm. talent. You know you know basically uh I'm, you know I'm tired of this whole Hitler thing. I, you know I mean I had a friend who was supposedly a uh, Hitlerophile, right? He's oh studied and learned. You know he studied on the Third Reich. You know. And, and a college professor who I always thought was an intelligent individual was basically, you know, you know, basically compares, you know, Trump to Hitler. It's like you guys are insane. You guys are insane. I mean, it's, it's the Democrat Party, and it's the Democrats who are. I mean, who tore down statues? The Democrats allowed tearing down statues. Who did that? Oh, that's right. That's right. The Nazis did that. Who's the one who wants to have gun control? Oh, yeah, that's right. Who's the Nazis? Who are the people who want to control religion? Oh, that's right. That was the Nazis. And so they want – and the, the, the Democrats – and this is how, again, this is how you can get America-loving Democrats to vote for Trump because it's like, look, you know what – we all know what Nazi Germany and Hitler was like. Mm-hmm. You know, and to make those comparisons – you know, and it's like, okay, this is what they did, and you know, and this is, and and here it's history right here. It's unbelievable how people just are not following, you know, following what what's been historic. And then, but of course, again, the 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 problem with, and, and we need to show the Demo- the people who are are friendly Democrats, like, look, just because you hear the same thing over and over and over again on MSNBC, CBS, NBC, NPR, doesn't make it true. Just because all these people are parroting the same things doesn't make it true. But you have a lot of people out there who they believe, oh, my gosh, I, I, I flipped the CNN. I flipped the MSNBC. I flipped the M- M- NPR. They're all saying the same thing. It must be true. No, if a lie is repeated over and over again, it's still a lie. It's misconstrued information. That. That's a CIA well, uh, tactic. You know, you repeat it more than three times, and it makes it true, even if it's a lie. And so when they're inundated with MSNBC, social media, and everything else that they see on television, even their programming, uh, family shows um, are involved, you know, as far as dropping propaganda against uh, Trump, making jokes about it, you know, but still being put out there that, that way as far as, oh, yeah, Hitler, Trump, ha, 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 type thing. It's... um. 
So it's everywhere. So it must be true, <laughs> according to people who don't think. You know, and, and that's, I don't know how to stop that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, the thing. I mean, and I find it ironic that the same people who be like, oh, you just watch Fox News. Oh, he, he, see, this tells you how. I don't want to say I don't want to say what I wanted to say, but it, this is the thing that amazes me. It's like you guys say, "Oh well, if you only watch Fox News, it's like, okay, here's the fa- fact that makes no difference whether you listen to MSNBC, CNN, CBS, and NPR. They all have the same agenda. They all have the, they all going to practice the same narrative, and they're all going to take their cues from the Democrat Party. So it doesn't matter that you have you know multiple stations." That are saying the same thing. That doesn't matter. So all oh, you know. So you have one person, you know, or one maybe even two, because OAN, who I think is frankly a better network than, than Fox News, to be honest. Uh, yeah. And, and that, you know, and so the, the, they and they did. They really believe it. And I don't. I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't know how we can tell people say, look, just take some time to do that. But they think, well, wait a minute. I uh, here's what I don't get. They say, well, I, I watch other news outlets. Well, what, what do you watch? I don't watch just CNN. Well, what do you watch? Oh, well, I listen to NPR. I listen to MSNBC. Doing anything different. You're not watching anything different. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. All it is is different hosts. It really isn't. Let's go ahead and, uh, of course, we'll get you on the line. Let's go ahead and get Kelly in uh, on that, Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing okay. Uh, well, don't you know that Donald Trump is the second coming of Adolf Hitler? Don't you know that? <laughs> oh, it's just ridiculous. I actually uh, I was waiting in line at the post office today, and uh, I figured I'd get my ballot in early make sure it got there. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, of course. So there's a guy there, and he's just uh, kind of looking at me like, and, like he wants to talk. And I'm like, okay. And then he starts immediately jumping into politics and, you know, a little bit of negative Trump stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'll play. And I said, uh, you know, some people think Trump is the second coming of Adolf Hitler. And he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, really? And, uh,. <clears throat> So I'm like, you know what's great about being in America? I mean, let's suppose, let's just for the sake of discussion, all right? Just, I'm not saying Trump is the second coming of Adolf Hitler, but let's just for this discussion trail, let's say he is, all right? There are things of accountability America has that Germany never had. Germany terminated trial by jury in 1924. Within 20 years, 20 million people were murdered. Germany had a unified state. We have 50 states. We have had a succession of many states before. Uh, Within those states, we happen to have the National Guard, which is controlled by the state governor, and not so much with Germany. Uh, We have due process of law. They don't have really due process of law. We have a grand jury, which was instrumental in removing President Nixon. Uh, By the way, I happened upon a grand jury presentment against Richard Nixon. Um, so you have impeachment power from that, and any of the 
um, if Trump has any of his lower people turn into henchmen and really evil, the grand jury's going to get them. Germany didn't have that. Um, Adolf Hitler was the Nazi party. He basically kind of, in its real infancy, took, o- took it over, and his eloquence in speech and other things, he rose up and became the Nazi party when he was vice chancellor. Um, his political party was so powerful that they had to make him the chancellor, and then he combined the two positions in the Fuhrer, uh, as in president, vice president. Well, that's not going to happen here. Um, we have lawsuits that can stop a lot of things, expose a lot of things. Hitler would squash that. Hitler had the night of the long knives. A lot of his opposition was killed. Trump would be immediately impeached. Done. Over. Goodbye. Um, there's so many things of accountability. You know, we have freedom of the press. Freedom of the press. Um, Goering in Nazi Germany was the, the media minister, if you will, and it was all propaganda, Nazi propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. We have freedom of religion. Now, I know this sounds a little different. However, in Germany, the uh, the Fuhrer and the Third Reich took over, in a sense, the churches. We're talking, this is where the Lutheran Reformation occurred in 1517. And basically, the state is now going to go ahead and pay the pastor salaries. Oh, here's your sermon next Sunday. Oh and the next Sunday, and the next Sunday. We can't do that here. First Amendment. You know, the liberals would sue immediately if if Trump did that. There's so many checks and balances, even if Hitler was the second coming of Adolf Hitler. And I've I've had, I've known people, and I'm libertarian, and people open up to me on both sides. I had a client that was freaking out until I explained all this to, to her. And she's like, oh, gosh. Oh, she looked like she had just come out of a tunnel and saw sunlight first time in two weeks. But people believe, like the guy at the post office, I mean, I was just kind of baiting him. Some people believe he's the second coming of Adolf Hitler. Oh, he is. <laughs> it's just, it's mind-blowing. Um, but I, I got another hot topic I want to talk about later, by the way. Okay, and but the next topic is, you know, and then I'm going to bring the next caller in, is, you know, what JFK has talked about, the future on Earth. Now, here, here's a difference here, is that the Democrats, when they talk about the future on Earth, they're talking about saving the planet, and which, hey, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm considering myself an environmentalist of sort, you know, myself, but more in line with, you know, Newt Gingrich's, you know, green conservatism. But the way, he, but let's be frankly out there and, and they're not and they're not hiding it anymore. Um, is that the way that besides their, you know, Green New Deal and things of that nature and ways that they're saying they're gonna save the planet and, and the future of the earth, is it's not by that, is uh, population control. That's what they're that's what they're talking about. That's why I think they want to do with these vaccines and try to force people to get vaccinated. I'm, you know, again I'm delation on my part, but you know, think to get vaccinated. But their one of their goals is you know, to reduce the population, 
and population control, and that's how they're going to you know, save the planet, save the human race, you know, by limiting, you know, how many children that people can have uh, by making it even so expensive to, to have multiple kids as well. Now, that's a, you keep that in stark contrast, you know, with what the Trump administration is, is trying to do, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to, you know, actually find another planet, you know, Colonize the moon, colonize more, so that the human race can actually expand out, you know, and so that they're not fighting themselves uh, where they, you know, are just on planet Earth. I mean, that's the that's the future, and that's one of the huge differences uh, between the two. Now I've got um I'm going to do uh, do a green room, but I do got another audio that I wanted to play. Uh, while I'm doing some some green room stuff here, and again, this is one of the audios that I was going to play last week, and I think it's you know is good for for tonight's show. And now this one, um, and you know, because they're, they're, of course they're trying to use COVID and things of that nature. And this one is you know, it's only 42 seconds, so I'm going to try to do it do the green room stuff real fast uh, while I get this. And, you know, again, I talked about earlier, and I wanted to bring this up, but that brought other callers, was when we're talking about submission, is that, of course, you know, you know, the mob, I mean, that's what they're going to try to uh, to use uh, for that. So I've got this, you know, short audio clip, and I'm going to do some green room stuff uh, while I get that. So here's this, and this is a, don't come out a lie to protect the radical left mob. Back there, 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 the vast majority of, of the protesters are peaceful. And they're going into point to go off the street to make it seem like there are problems going on when all that's happening are peaceful protests. Have our peaceful protesters' ability to get out at night? Most of these protests have been peaceful. I applaud these protesters. The majority of these protesters are peaceful. They have been peaceful for weeks. It has continued, uh, for the most part, peaceful. It's peaceful. We've had a number of peaceful protests. Yeah, there's a lot of music and stuff in the, in the background. So that was just a, another short clip uh, there. You know, and, of course, they're all peaceful protesters. We know that's not the case, they're all, and they've been trying to do that. We're not saying anything that you know, no one's heard. But we've got uh, Nathan on the line, so we'll see, uh, bring, you know, bring him into the conversation, see how things go on that. But thank you very much, Nathan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? You're pretty good. Listen, on what you guys were talking about, uh, about all, you know, just basically discussing the propaganda and stuff. But here's what it's all about. If we, if I could get you to get on board with me on the same argument because of what it's, it's going to be a lie. But we both know that if we can get them to buy this lie, then we benefit. Okay. Um, we would know this is a lie, but and we we have to live with our conscience. But these people don't have a conscience b- uh, against what they teach because this is their education for for the last two generations. And and so when you start talking about and there is no science, they haven't been taught science. They've been taught an emotional religion that that you know we got to save the planet. And, and and then we have a storm, and then we, they start giving statistics about what, what they've been teaching them, and this is the problem. This is why this hurricane's coming. And, you know, and science explains that, but they don't know science. They just know we've got to get rid of people or we need to quit using energy and we need to, 
sit around in the dark and start eating without cooking our food because they really believe this. There's a thing, and I don't, I, you know, you, you met, somebody mentioned religion. In the Bible, there's a verse that says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, I can say there is no God, okay, Just and I could wrestle with you all day long about that, but if I really believe it, if I really believe it, meaning it's not just something in my mind, it's in my heart, I believe it, you know, and and it would be hard to convince me, knowing God, that, that there is no God, but watch, you have a generation with no religion, guess what, they buy in it, and this is what the socialists and communists is all about, is to get people basically to make their religion the government. You know, the government has the answer. And that's really what it comes. You know, I'll give you a good example. There was a guy out in California many years ago. I can't remember his name, uh, but he was uh, married. His wife was pregnant. He had a girlfriend on the side, and he really digged this girl. And he's like, I got to get rid of my girlfriend. So he takes his uh, Scott Peterson. Takes his girlfriend, his wife, pregnant wife, out into the bay, and he ties some blocks to her and in the water, and she drops to the bottom. He goes back to his girlfriend. She never even knew he was married, and he just fell right into the life that he wanted with her. Now, here's what made him dangerous. He was married, and his wife was pregnant, but he believed in his heart, not in his mind, and this is why he could do this and it not bother him. He believed it in his heart, and that's what, what we're dealing with with these people here. They've got it, and, and this is any of if, if I taught you or you were taught uh, two plus two is five from childhood all the way up, and then someone sat down with you one day, and, and, and this is crazy, but if someone could sit down and they could get your fingers out there and they could convince you that two plus two is four, you, it would blow your mind how much you would struggle with this. You, you would you, your mind is having a hard time, you know, wrapping around it, even with the evidence, because it's in your heart. That's what we're dealing with with this generation, and we're in trouble. Well, I wasn't going to play this audio um, until later, and I figured some of the folks here would definitely enjoy it. It, it sounds like uh, it's an older. I don't know the date. Of this of this audio clip, to be honest. But again, I mean, you can see the videos on these things too by going to the Bard's Logic Political Talk newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, but you might get a kick out of it, and I think it is relevant uh, as well. So again, I was going to play this later, but I think it ties well, uh, Nathan, with uh, what you're saying. And this one's actually called, and, and this maybe I should save this to Bard's Logic after dark so we can do the Bard's Logic Bible Hour, right, Kelly? Uh, but again, you guys will get a kick out of this. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington, 
I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want it until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Wow. Well, Nathan, what do you think about that? As I said, that, uh, uh, no, I thought that was a uh, good time. <laughs> uh, you know, because I mean, all these it's things it's are not, happening. And <laughs> those were the words of a prophet. You know? Yeah, and at the end, at the end of the video, it says, yeah, it says some kind of Bible quote or anything. And, and, and people who are long-time listeners now, I'm not, I'm not a religious guy, um, but I do find it interesting, you know, that a lot of the things that, you know, he said. I mean, here, here it is, it's, it's right there. So whether you want to call it the devil, whether you want to call it evil, whether you want to call it fascism, whether you want to call it the Democrat Party, <laughs> or certain politicians within the Democrat Party. I mean, there, there it is. Yeah, have that listen to. Uh, um, oh, Kelly dropped. Hopefully, we'll be able to bring him back. But you know, that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I, like I said, it's, it's, it sounds like the words of a prophet. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was right on time. But the, the key, the key is, is you, it, you know. You, you can't convince someone of something. It's hard to convince someone opposite of what they know. You know, um, it's you know talk about the religion thing. Uh, I, I didn't have a, much of a religious upbringing, or whenever I did, I got you know I had my religious experience, and then I went into the church, and it was it was not something I was used to, and I didn't get real devout to the church. But when I was in the Army, I met a guy. He, too, was in the same boat I was, and he had a religious experience and married a woman, and she had 
came from a devout, you know, uh, Protestant religion, and he went into it. And it was funny because we didn't have it. You know, I knew what I, my religion believes. He knew what his religion believes. And we got together and we, we, you know, kind of bounced it off each other. And we used our minds to kind of think through what we thought, you know, was that make sense, but this is full of crap, you know. And we kind of like was just kind of, here's the thing. We could think through it with our own minds objectively, but the people that are raised first, second, third, fourth generation in that religion, they have a hard time accepting something else because what they have is in their soul. It's in their heart. And whenever I met, I knew this guy in Korea, and then later I went to Fort Hood, and then he came, and his wife came. I got to meet his wife, and she, you know, we had some pretty good uh, uh, conversations on it, on stuff. But when her mother came to visit, uh, her mother told me uh, that she believed I was of the devil because of, you know, I was challenging their thinking, and I wasn't. Uh, they they were challenging my thinking. I didn't come from a uh, you know devout, multi generational religion, and uh, but she she just knew nothing about her denomination for generations back. And you know she she was wrong on a lot of issues. So kind of right, but not really thought through some stuff. But it doesn't matter. It's what she was taught. It was in her soul. And 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 you know we've had this same thing with races. You know you. You're raising a predominantly whatever your neighborhood, your 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 race, and then you run into other people, and and it's like you're not comfortable around them. And then after a while, you know, like, hey, this dude's pretty neat, and you take him home to your family, and you know they think he's pretty neat. But then when someone wants to marry out of their race, then people really start struggling with it, and it's like, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, Suzette, did you want to uh, add in on that? Well, well, I agree with the the gentleman because it goes years back, the indoctrination over the years. So it is their belief system now and will continue to be that because now it's been ingrained in them subconsciously and consciously. And and so it's a wasted generation, basically. And we can... Robert, I've seen something the other night. I've seen something the other night that, that gives a good example. I don't know the name of the comedian because I don't follow Saturday Night Live, but there was a comedian that impersonated back when in, in '08 she impersonated uh, Sarah Palin. And she said she was impersonating Sarah Palin and just being sounding real goofy and dumb like she's dumb or something. And she made the statement, the comedian, that uh, I can see my, I can see Russia from my front porch, you know. And anybody that's got any sense knows you can't see all the way to Russia from, you know, you, you know that this was just a comedian making that up uh, to make her look, Sarah Palin look stupid. I heard a guy the other night, and somebody said something about Sarah Palin, and. Somebody else made the statement, yell, Sarah Palin, yell. Like she, she actually said she could see say, uh, see Russia from her front porch. Yeah, so, yeah, you're t- dealing with a real brain donor there. Uh, and I'm like, I'm listening to him. And it's like, you know, he didn't pay attention. He heard a comedian say something that people laughed at. 
but he heard that, and he actually, this is a guy that would lay on a railroad track betting his life that that is true. And, and because he's not getting his information by going and researching it, he's just taking information. Um, actually, and then you hear that. the news people report that. The news people report, repeat that stuff. She did say that, though. She did say it. And, and she lives in Alaska, and that's why she said it. But it was taken out of context. And so they made it seem like it was something. That was the only thing that she said. So she would appear well, stupid. Well, uh, but she did say it. She did say it. Uh, I, well, I don't. I didn't hear her say it. I heard a comedian say it, and I, I ain't going to disagree with you because, I, like I said, I haven't heard her say. It. But at the same time, I'm not going to get in a fuss over it until I can go and research, and it ain't important enough for me to do it. But what I'm saying is, is we need to look and find out where stuff is coming from, mm-hmm. and if it's coming from, and it's the same thing. We got a Republican and a Democrat media. And one of the things, uh, you know, that he also talked about, again, you know, comparing – and, you know, you're right. I mean, the, the, they're the propaganda arm uh, of the Democrat Party. And, you know, one of the other things that was pointed out, you know, during that speech and still trying to, to work on, on Kelly coming on, but I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, uh, it says, all, you know, all of this work, uh, you know, to put in this, so all of this work towards putting the economy and – you have all these. The we're, we're not working together. I mean, you've got Trump out there, you know, who is wanting to, uh, yeah. You you want to uh, have people, uh, you know, rioting and stuff. I mean, sorry, you know, wanting to get the economy opened up, and these people are just great, you know, wanting to keep it shut down. I mean, look what Biden said. I mean, Biden said, "Oh well, then if I." Uh, you know, if the scientists say, you know, shut it down, I'm just going to shut down the, I'm just going to shut down the government. I mean, not just shut down the government, shut down the, uh, you know, and that brings up a good point. You know, I'm going to shut down uh, the economy. Which, well, that's something we haven't heard about in five minutes. Remember before COVID, like every three months, we we're hearing, oh my gosh, if we don't get these funds, we're going to shut down the government. Oh my gosh, if we don't pass this omnibus bill. We're going to shut down the government. I know I'm kind of going mm-hmm. off on a tangent here, but why, why don't we hear that anymore? We haven't heard that in, what, six months? Is that not a problem anymore for funding the government? I mean, whatever happened to that? Uh, how come we're, know, how come we're not fry. hearing that anymore? Because they have bigger fish to fry. They have basically carte blanche with the budget right now as far as writing checks. And so that's why they're holding out. This is much bigger as far as holding back money or spending money where they want to spend it, uh, ultimately. So I think that's the reason why we haven't heard much about a shutdown. There's no compromise, so nobody gets anything because they are going to continue to hold out until they get what they want. Hopefully they won't get that, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And the devil's just called. I would just say, pretty much he just said, he doesn't have to do anything because we're all doing it to ourselves and taking ourselves out um, within, behaving the way we're behaving and doing the things that we're doing. And I just say as a whole, as far as the general population, not pointing fingers at anybody, you know, as far as us or them, but uh, because it takes two. But ultimately, there is one antagonist, and we know who they are. <laughs> so <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, back to you, Robert. <laughs> 
You know, again, that, that can play the two. I'll be telling you what, just the way it's working out tonight with the with the audio and the, the segues. So thank you. Um, this hasn't been planned. This is an organic show. So, yeah, I'm going to get the uh, – for the next clip we got here, it's a little bit longer than the other one. Uh, this one's about seven and a half minutes, but this is, uh, you know, gain immunity from the COVID propaganda. So I think uh, you guys uh, made a good segue for us. Hello, this is Tony Heller from RealClimateScience.com, setting the record straight about junk science and propaganda. The great American physicist Richard Feynman said, it doesn't matter how beautiful your theory is. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If it doesn't agree with experiments, it's wrong. Now let's look at a theory and compare it against actual data. The Center for Disease Control gives three-month window of immunity after a COVID-19 infection. They say a person who has recovered from COVID-19 will likely be safe from reinfection for three months. The information marks the first acknowledgement of a defined immunity period for people who recovered from a COVID-19 infection. Prior research has shown antibodies from recovered patients will fade over the course of a few months, but federal scientists had not previously said what that means for immunity. What they're saying is that you're going to have to survive COVID-19 every three months. You survive it once, you survive it twice, you survive it a third time, but on the fourth time at the end of the year, it kills you. Now let's look at some empirical data and see if this theory makes any sense. This is the chart of daily COVID-19 deaths in New York. They had a big spike back in March and April when Governor Cuomo was sending thousands of sick people into nursing homes and killing lots of old people. But the governments of New York succeeded in killing off most of the vulnerable population, and now they're hardly having any deaths at all. If the CDC's three-month theory were correct, there should have been another spike three months after the first one. But that spike doesn't exist. According to the CDC theory, everybody's immunity should have worn off by mid-July, and there should have been another big spike. COVID alarmists would say that the second spike didn't occur because they locked down the state and made everybody wear masks. Now let's test that theory out with some more empirical data. This is the graph for daily deaths in Sweden, which looks very similar to New York. But Sweden never locked down, and they never mandated masks. Yet Sweden has the same shaped graph as New York. There's no second spike. There's no indication that people's immunity wore off. It looks like Sweden has reached herd immunity. The CDC theory does not match data. It appears to be wrong. And not only is the CDC theory wrong, but COVID modelers were disastrously incorrect. COVID modelers predicted nearly 100,000 people dead in Sweden by mid-July because they didn't lock down. In reality, they had fewer than 6,000 deaths. The modeler said that at least 96,000 deaths would occur by July 1st in Sweden without mitigation. Let's go back and look at Feynman's quote again. It doesn't matter how beautiful your theory is. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If it doesn't agree with experiments, it's wrong. Now let's look at the United Kingdom. Their daily death graph was very similar to that from New York and from Sweden and they didn't mandate masks until the epidemic was essentially over. This shows us a couple of things. The UK government is completely incompetent, and the other thing is that there was no second spike after three months. There's no indication, once again, that people's immunity wore off after three months. And finally, let's look at the Netherlands. The graph on the left is the number of daily new cases. You can see that there was a big spike back in April, 
And now there's a second spike occurring again. At first glance, that would appear to lend support to the CDC theory that immunity wears off after three months. But now let's look at the graph on the right, the number of daily deaths. There's no second spike there. So in this graph, I've overlaid the two graphs, daily cases in green and daily deaths in red. You can see that about 10 days after the first spike in cases, there was a spike in daily deaths. But for the second spike in cases, there's no corresponding spike in daily death. Clearly, the spike is quite different from the first one. So whatever the second spike is, it doesn't appear to be a deadly disease. The infection fatality rate of the second spike is extremely low. In fact, it's close to zero. So there doesn't appear to be any good reason for government to be worried about the second spike because it's hardly killing anybody. There seems to be little or no empirical evidence supporting the CDC theory. Yet the CDC is clearly trying to terrify the country into believing this is going to keep popping up over and over again. Let's see if we can figure out why they would be doing that. Billionaire philanthropist Bill Gates laid out what the world needs from a COVID-19 vaccine in order to reopen society. Gates argued that the world will need 7 billion doses eventually, one for every person on the planet. He added that the COVID-19 vaccine will likely become part of a newborn immunization schedule. Let's look at that last statement again. Bill Gates wants to vaccinate babies. Yet according to the CDC, COVID-19 does not kill babies. And also according to the CDC, COVID-19 antibodies wear off after three months. So what would be the point in vaccinating babies? All that vaccines do is stimulate antibody production. And if those antibodies wear off after three months, you'll have to get a new vaccine anyway. Nothing about this makes any sense. Let's look at another quote from Bill Gates to get a clue as to what's going on here. He says multiple vaccine doses could be necessary to protect from coronavirus. CDC is fear-mongering about losing your antibodies every three months. So under this regime, everybody would have to get vaccinated every three months. That would make an incredible amount of money for Big Pharma. What a great scam, but it has nothing to do with science and nothing to do with the public interest. Now let's look at one more quote from Bill Gates. There could be a substantial reduction in COVID-19 death rates by year's end. Wow, this guy's a real genius. There already is a substantial reduction in COVID-19 death rates, as we've seen in the previous graph. There's almost no deaths occurring in New York anymore, and New York had the highest death rate in the world. Gates' statement also shows why there's no need for widespread vaccination usage. Common sense tells us that if the disease is killing very few people, we should only be using vaccines on the high-risk population, if it's safe for them. And it also belies the CDC's claim that antibodies wear off after three months. If the antibodies were wearing off, as CDC claims, we would see a substantial increase in COVID-19 deaths by year's end, not a decrease. Bill Gates has used his money to purchase a lot of influence into the World Health Organization and the CDC, and it's pretty obvious that something seriously wrong is going on here. The statements from CDC, those from Bill Gates, and the actual data are wildly contradictory. Whatever these people are up to, it does not agree with experiments. Toto doesn't like people who want to go around sticking needles in all 7 billion people in the world. In fact, that's a violation of the Nuremberg Code. You can visit Toto on the web at realclimatescience.com. 
He's been playing back the curtain on junk science and propaganda for a long time. I'm muting my mic. So I think that was a good uh, segue. Well, we had Kelly and Eric keeps dropping, so I wonder if he's having some uh, some issues there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, one of the things he, you know, wanted to touch on is, you know, wants to talk about vaccinating everybody, which I, I just don't think that that's, that's going to go over. But Suzette, did you want to chime in on, on anything on that where, you know, with the was to talk about with the numbers and COVID and how they're trying to use that against us? Uh, yes, I would. And more information has shown that we have had seven coronaviruses over the last decade, um, last two decades, sorry, and we haven't bothered to find a cure for those, nor a vaccine for those. And one of them, or at least two of them, are more deadly to young adults than like this um, COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-19 that uh, seems to uh, target uh, elderly and people who have uh, health issues already, um, medical issues. And so the um, H1N1 seems to target young adults. Why didn't we do anything back then as far as hurry up, we need a vaccination. Hurry up, we need to lock down. This one spread faster, but it doesn't kill as many people. And 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 there it's a targeted group of elderly that we could do things to protect as far as you know for their health, isolate them, quarantine them, whatever. Um, so that's a big deal to me, and that concerns me that all of a sudden now we have this vaccine. But the vaccine that they're testing, they're testing on healthy people, healthy, healthy, healthy young adults that have no issues whatsoever. So when they vaccinate people who have health issues, what's going to happen? We don't know because they didn't bother to test. You know, there's going to be side effects. And the ones that they have tested uh, experienced, 80% have um, experienced um, side effects. And so, yeah, this whole thing just, it's all BS to sell, to kill, and to control. Well, and just like, you know, just, well, I'm not, I don't trust the H1N1 vaccine, uh, you know, but then, of course, when Trump said, you know, there's, there's such hypocrites, because when Trump was saying that, you know, he's going to, you know, uh, you know, with Operation Warp Speed, I think, and they're talking about, you know, doing trials, and this is a typical, like, oh, Trump's going to try to put out a vaccine prior to, uh, you know, being safe, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, I think it was like, they started working on an H1N1 vaccine, and like, uh, August or, 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 or something like that. And by like end of September, basically, I can't remember the actual date, but it was like two and a half months from the time they start working on it to the, to the time that or they approved it is in the time they start really putting it out to people or start testing it. I'll have to look that back up. But I'm, I'm just like, the, the hypocrisy is unreal, but we all know that. And, and not, again, that is, speaking of hypocrisy, I think that is what is what really needs to be shown uh, to, you know, our Democrat friends. It's like, look, look at this hypocrisy. Show, show them all the hypocrisy that's going on. I mean, I don't know if you have any, uh, any, fr- any Democrat friends. I got one who, I mean, he says that he's not, but I kind of got suspicions. I know his parents are. Um, you know, some of the things that he said about Trump makes me concerned. So, you know, I try to talk as much as I can with him without, you know, making, you know, you know, comments about his parents because, but the thing is, is he did it, but he's even admitted, it's like, yeah, the only uh, thing that uh, his parents watch are like, but they don't, I don't think they have cable, so all they watch is the, you know, the local stations. But the, those are all the local stations are all alphabet media, so they don't really have any differences either. 
John, and I know he keeps coming in and out, but let's see if he's ready there. Uh, Kelly, you back there in with us? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just uh, getting back from the ER room helping a homeless person, and I uh, was uh, dropping him off. Is it the same one you've been helping for a while? Yeah, we got him to the doctor twice this week, and we'll see if we can get him with his mothers up in Montana. But uh, anyway, um, so we're still talking about the CDC. I have something of real interest with that. Um, there's a group in Santa Cruz. Well, they're based in Santa Cruz, but they're all over the country, a bunch of uh, doctors, researchers, legal researchers, lawyers, statisticians. And what they discovered is that the CDC broke the law. There is a procedure for collecting, um, organizing, and reporting data. And in order to have a new technique for collecting, sorting, and reporting data, you have to, all federal, all federal agencies have to go through the Office of Management and Budget. CDC never did that. There's a 90-day public, 60-day, 60 60-day 60 public comment period that is required before the OMB approves their data reporting method. And what they found was something like um, this is uh, several weeks ago. They're they're, they're going to finish the report pretty soon. But what they found was like 12,582 deaths with – it's the real actual number based on the old method of reporting was been in place in 2003. For example, um, the old method reported as the primary cause of death if somebody had H1N1 also, primary cause, congestive heart failure, diabetes, H1N1. That was according to the old method that was approved by the OMB. The new method says primary cause, corona or COVID-19. Number two, congestive heart failure. Number three, diabetes. And this change occurred on March, it's March 24th. Memorandum. We're just going to change the way we report things, folks. And of course, medical doctors don't want to get in trouble with the State Board of Medicine, nor do they want to get in trouble with the CDC, nor do they want to um, miss any type of federal monies, so they have to be the dutiful bean counter. And I don't mean that derogatory towards doctors, because of course I hold them in high esteem. But they have to almost be like bean counters in how they report things. And they also noticed in this report that H1N1, I'm sorry, not, um, hydroxychloroquine has been proven quite effective in many ways that the CDC is completely suppressing this, as well as other um, drugs you could take plus zinc plus 
Vitamin D. They, they, they really did their homework. It's about a 40-plus page document. It's a long read. And uh, they are in contact, I believe, with RFK Jr., yes, the son of former Attorney General uh, Robert F. Kennedy, uh, JFK's brother. By the way, I like JFK and RFK. I think they're really... Mm-hmm. Anyway, but... Um, but Kelly, does that, Kelly, does that document also tie into the patent um, that they tried to, oh, they got, but they got it illegally for the H1N1 at the time that, that you're talking about, the Office of uh, Budget they Management? Didn't go in, they didn't go into that much, but there's somebody else, a, a researcher, has discovered how the CDC has patented the method. How are you mm-hmm. going to test for corona? Oh, you have to follow this method. And uh-huh. and because of this method, you could have a whole bunch of false positives. So there's a lot of games going on. Of course, we already knew that, but it's just going to a criminal le- level. They contacted me because they wanted to know how to get this in front of a grand jury. I said, well, that's easy. 18 U.S.C. 3332, request to the attorney, uh, prosecuting attorneys under Bill Barr and the Justice Department. Uh, requested mm-hmm. those attorneys to give us to a grand jury. And then what the grand jury does with it, that's up to the grand jury. But uh, the um, well, We're also finding out, too, which I hope they go into, because the CDC um, has patented viruses. And those viruses that they patent, they've done it illegally because they didn't go through the proper process of language. And, and they're claiming one thing, but then... If that's true, then they did it the wrong way. But they can't also uh, patent anything that's natural. And so either way, it's illegal. But these patents that they have given uh, or these companies have um, for viruses, for vaccines, we pay for out of taxpayer money, researchers to come up with these things. Then the companies patent it. And then the companies turn around and sell it back to the American people through either the federal government or over-the-counter or prescription. And that should be wrong, too, if that's what they're doing. They pay them to do it, to come up with these things, and then those companies patent it, and then they turn around and sell it back to us. Is that sticking and thing or what? But that's what's going on. I researched that, and I have documentation on that, and it's also on the CDC as far as their process goes, which is lame-ass. Anyway, back to you. Yeah, there's some very concerning things. Happening. Um, I really liked listening to that video about, oh, there's going to be a second wave. Oh, yeah. I kept hearing about the second wave. You know what? If our immune system is going to fail on us every three, every three months, the fourth time we'll get corona, we're going to die. I mean, there's going to only be a few people left on the planet. Our <laughs> immune system, our immune, yep. yeah, it's just a scare tactic. Our immune system has been working how many Millennia. I mean, yes, I get the Spanish flu of 1918. Some say 30, some say 40, some say 100 million people died. Um, but there's some, been some virologists that studied um, certain age groups didn't have such an effect because of their, shortly after they're born, how their immune system uh, took off. But, um, yeah, it's... it's uh, we're, we're toast. Oh, no, let's get the vaccine. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If our immune system works, I've had a microbiology class, 
civil engineer, you have to take biology classes and chemistry classes. Why? Because of the, you have to remove all sorts of stuff from water and then be it uh, your city water supply or your wastewater system before you dump it in the river again. But anyway, so if our immune system is going to fail in three months, then these viruses won't work. I'm sorry, these, these vaccines, these vaccines are not going to work. Because what all a virus is, it's a weakened or dead virus, and then your immune system coats coats around, if you will, with specific organic chemicals that have a specific geometric shape. It's like if you hold your hand up and you spread out your fingers, that's kind of the spikes of any virus or bacteria that um, white blood cells have a hard time surrounding and eating the bacteria or virus, but once you have um, antigens and antibodies to fill in those spikes, the white blood cells do their job. And so your body has to specifically code a very unique chemical compound with every virus and every bacteria. Yeah, there's some similarities between some, but it's it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so a dead virus is, that was the theory, and you inject somebody and it's a lot easier for your body to produce the antigens and antibodies. Okay. Well, wait a minute. You get the vaccine, and the antibodies die off or are no more, then you're going to have to get another vaccine in three months, and then another one well, in three months, and then another three months. Yeah. yeah. So, it, like, come on, people. So unless you get your but shot, you're going to want to vaccinate it so much. <laughs> well, then it's going to be, you know, your 10th, 20th, and 50th vaccine. Oh, wait, now we have COVID-20. Introducing the new COVID-20. Get your 50 more vaccines once a week. Um, I just, unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Well, your immune system is going to uh, be weakened, and you'll get it in three months. Well, then the vaccine will don't do anything for you, really. It's just going to be a repeat. It's just mind-blowing. But, you know, there's certain diseases, once you get them, you'll never get them again because your, um, your antigen and your antibodies are already – your body knows how to make them again and make them quickly. Uh, some – I remember my uh, – when this one professor of microbiology, once you have a virus, you always have it the rest of your life. But your immune system keeps it in check, so there's, it's minimized. These viruses are minimized. If your immune system can't um, overcome the virus, it will grow and grow and grow and it'll take over, and you will be dead pretty quick. With the Spanish flu of 1918, people were dying within 12 hours. 12, 18, 20 hours, 24 hours, they, were just, they just caught it and they dropped over dead in that short of a time. Other people took a number of days to, so, you know, of course, a lot of people recovered, but it was, it was, that's how fast a virus can take over your body. 12 or 14 hours and it's over. Um, wow. Because the population, it's not just two times two times, you know, two times four times eight. It's, it's, totally exponential exponential, in such a crazy way. We're talking hundreds of thousands of these turning into millions and your body can't handle it and you die. It's the exponential growth and your body keeps it in check. 
Um, I, I'm just not buying this. You're going to get it in three months. Oh, no, let's get the vaccine. Uh, th no, the vaccine, it's the same effect. <sighs> Unbelievable. Somebody well, what about these tests that they have? They say, we need to test, we need to test. The president isn't having enough tests done. Why is he blocking all these people from having tests? We Everybody needs to be tested. Okay, go ahead. Test everybody. Now we're finding out that all these tests are reading false positives. And how do we calculate who really has it now? We, we can't. You know, so it's just so so ridiculous, and and so it can't be coincidental that it that it is this ridiculous. I mean, there's just too many coincidences of idiocy, <laughs> you know, that that fall into this pandemic since it started in February. So ridiculous, one after the other. I guess you could say they're being debunked, and and why aren't they allowing other doctors and scientists to speak on this? Why are they suppressing them? Why are they keeping them quiet? Why don't they have a say so? If they are accredited and have all the credentials that they need to speak on it, you know, why don't why can't we hear from them automatically? Swiped off of Facebook, swiped off of Twitter, like these people don't exist. And that's what drives me nuts. As far as you have professionals out there that have an opinion, that have done science, that have done research, that have seen this before in another form, they have, you know, some things to say about it, advice, some things they may even, you know, agree with. Dr. Fauci, fuckhead, whatever, sorry, guy. But, you know, nevertheless, why are they being suppressed? Why can't they speak? There's an agenda. Now, if you look at the potential, let's suppose there's a deep state. And by the way, uh, Klein Smith pled guilty last Wednesday to falsifying information to extend the FISA warrant to spy on Donald Trump. A week before that. Wow, well, yeah, not not seeing that anywhere, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, the way they do this, because I I downloaded his actual, it's called an information. Federal rules criminal procedure. It's either rule six or seven, but anyway, um, a person has a right to an indictment by a grand jury. Well, of course, that's Fifth Amendment for a felony. However, they can elect to be prosecuted by information. And there's only one teeny tiny little charge. Maximum sentence is five years. I'm going to guess, you know, with these sealed indictments, over 150,000, I'm, I'm going to guess what happened is the Justice Department, uh, Durham, his signature is on the information of Kleinsmith. I'm going to guess what happened was Durham calls up uh, Kleinsmith and says, hey, bring your attorney in here. we got to talk. So he shows up as a defense attorney. And then Durham, an assistant uh, prosecutor on his left, another on the right, because there's three prosecutors' signatures on this. Then across the table is Durham and his defense attorney. Durham just says, hey, um, let me show you this document here. It's a sealed indictment, and has a word sealed in red on top of it. About 30 charges down the page. So, yeah, we got a grand jury indictment. Uh, you uh, falsified information, and it looks like conspiracy, 18 U.S.C. 371, and this and that and other things and collusion and da-da-da-da-da. And we have enough to put you away for you know, 30, 40, 50 years, the rest of your life. Um, yeah, that's what you're facing right now, buddy. Um, right here <clears throat> on the table to my right, is the information. It's pretty short. It's one teeny tiny little charge. 
falsifying information. And uh, so, would you like to a um, get a really good team of attorneys and try to fight this and spend 30 years in jail? Or do you want to sing like a canary? Plea bargain. Plea bargain. And by the way, if you would like to sing like a canary and tell us who else is involved in this, you can then sing, you can join the Canary Choir. They also went through this where there's a secret indictment and they went for the information and a plea bargain and cooperation. So, Mr. Clancy, what would you like to do? He ends up in front of the judge and says, guilty, his sentencing isn't until December. When the Justice Department has some influence. Hey, he's been extremely cooperative, Your Honor. Oh, bunch of bad guys. How about just six months? Uh, he's done the nation a great service, but he's turning in about 20 other people, and it's going even higher than him uh, who was setting this up and who was really doing this. Uh, Mr. Kleinsmith, I mean, I, this is, you know, they get rewarded for cooperation. Um, but, but anyway. Do you think it's going to come out before the election? Because they've, they've said in the past, Oh, well, we're, we don't want this to seem as being political, so would they might hold off. I mean, do you, do you think that's going to happen? Because I know there's been talk about that. Bill Barr mentioned after the Kleinsmith charges that there's others coming. Bill Barr mentioned that. You know, I've mentioned this at least a year or two ago. The, the wheels of justice move slowly because you have to take out first the people on the lower rung of the totem pole who will narc on people above them, people above them, people above them gotcha. until you get intended target. I mean, think about the political timing of releasing the Klein Smith uh, charges that he would plead guilty the week, the Wednesday before the convention, right in the middle of the convention, Klein Smith pled guilty in front of a judge. I mean, look at the political timing. It's genius. It's like, whoops. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Hillary Clinton, uh, she was to, to be deposed in a civil case. Um, Tom Fitton, judicial Yeah, how, how did she get out of that? I, I has, she, has she gotten out of that? She had a continuance. Well, oh, jeez. And the other thing that might be going on here, don't know, but it's a possibility. Clinton, Hillary Clinton's in custody, and she can't show up because she might be in Gitmo. Oops. You know that. Watch. There's some YouTube videos about that. I go. That's interesting. If there's treason involved in some way, uh, military tribunals can step in. Um, yeah, when Kavanaugh was being interviewed by the Senate, they were asking him and Gorsuch, what do you think about military tribunals in certain cases of national security and, and or treason? And both judges supported that. I thought that was interesting. She might be in Gitmo. And they're going to keep her there. Well, wouldn't that um, be something? Uh, you never know, but but there's yeah, there's 
there's some legal stuff going on that's fascinating. Um, can we change the topic to what happened on Saturday? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. We got some time. Oh, boy. This is where it gets real interesting, folks. Okay. Very interesting. HR 8015 was passed. What's HR 8015? It's an act. Okay. Let's go back. This is on August 22nd. It got introduced into the House of Representatives on August 11th. It was a one-item bill that funded the post office for $25 billion. B, B as in boy, as in bravo. $25 billion. Bravos? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a game after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, so <clears throat> when is the last time Congress had a one-item issue and got it passed in 11 days? Maybe World War II when we declared war against the Japanese. As in, it got introduced into Congress, then it went through some committees, several committees, got out, got voted on, and uh, Democrats passed it overwhelmingly. The Republicans opposed it except for 26 Republicans. And they voted by proxy, by the way. When you it, you didn't have to show up. You tell another congressman how you were voting, and then in in Congress in the, in the House, they basically I stand here and I vote for such and such congressman under a House resolution. So they're voting by proxy. Okay, but anyway, so we go to this bill, and of course we're always a lot of the chatter this, these days has been mail-in ballots. Yes, let's have universal universal mail-in voting. Yes, now, Trump doesn't like universal mail-in voting. He's okay with legitimate absentee ballots, military or elderly in a nursing home, etc. You're working maybe in another state, absentee, but not not universal. Everybody vote vote by mail. Of course, people aren't trusting the U.S. Post Office. <laughs> One guy he put a post up that says. He says, uh, yeah, you know, take $5,000 cash, put it in an envelope, mail it to yourself. You know, if you're willing to do that, go ahead and vote by mail. So there was seemed to be some emergency that we have to give the post office $25 billion. Maybe the postal workers are starving. I actually watched this getting passed in the, 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 the debate on the floor and then the, the roll call vote. Okay. So. Um, so they can do a clean this, bill to give money to the post office, but they can't do a clean bill to give money to people that um, are still out of work as a result of the coronavirus, um, you know, I don't know what you call them, policies, I guess. Like, what's his name? Uh, Newsom on Monday had uh, remanded the uh, the rent, the landlord, uh so you didn't have to pay right now type thing. He took that back. So now people have to pay, and Nancy Pelosi is giving money to the post office through a clean bill that she won't do for the rest of the American people. Good job, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, well, 
here's here's what the bill says, okay? And it's pretty short. You know, you get your title page, and then one, two, three, four, five pages of text, and they're big time double spaced, so it's terribly easy to read. And what it says is, um, United States Postal Service may not implement or approve any change, any change to the operations or the level of service provided by the Postal Service from that which was effective on January 1st, 2020. Uh, thou shalt not make and list them. Any change in the nature of postal services uh, affecting service nationwide, any revision to service standards, you mean can we improve it or not? It doesn't look like they can actually improve it. I can see, you know, if Trump wants to close down post offices, this bill says, no, you can't do that. But what about changing out new old technologies for new, like sorters, sorting systems? Thou shall not do any closure or consolidation. Uh, any changes that would prevent the Postal Service from meeting its service standards, any change that would have the effect of delaying, deferring, or curtailing mail, treating election mail as any class of mail other than first class, removing decommissioning stoppage of mail sorting machines, uh, and Part B says, uh, you shall reverse any initiative or action that is causing delay in processing or delivery of non or non-delivery of the mail. And the question is, is Trump changing machines so that mail and ballot envelopes can be tracked all the way from your doorstep to the post office to the county election clerk? Interesting. But tracking, okay? I spent some time at the post office today. And I was asking a bunch of questions. And I have to confirm this, but it certainly sounds from what two different post offices told me today. Um, if you want your mail tracked from the post office to a sorting station, for example, Mount Shasta, California, would be a post office. It gets collected there, but you you have what's called priority mail. It's got a barcode on it. And you have priority mail express. Okay. I'm getting something here, which the suspicion is this bill was passed to stop the tracking of mail in ballots. This is what I'm getting to. I know I'm kind of long-winded, but I had to read some specifics. So I'm asking two different post offices, how do I get mail tracked? Like if I want to um, send from here to the election clerk's office. I mean, I understand it goes to Sacramento. They collect it here, goes to Sacramento, massive sorting machines, and then comes back up here, and then you guys drop it in the clerk's office. Is that correct? I said, yeah, okay. So what if I want to track it? Like, you, if you guys ever sent a FedEx, you can go online and you can track, okay, received at station, uh, another transfer station, another transfer station. Now it's, in, now it's on its way to Michigan. It's in the Denver airport. It's landed, whatever. You, you can see the different steps to tracking online. Well, the USPS has the same system, but it's called Priority Mail, and it has a big barcode on it. And when they deliver it to, say, a residential address, the post, uh, the mail, mail carrier takes out his little gun, beep, you know, runs across the barcode, blip, it's been delivered at this address, uh, September 3rd at 
11.07 a.m. And then you go online and you can track every step where your mail-in ballot was. Now, according to the postmasters, I've talked to the post. I watched, talked to one postmaster. I talked to two other employees. Total two post offices today. First class mail. First class mail does not have tracking tracking capabilities. You have to go with priority mail to have tracking. And Clause 7 in the um, H.R. 8015 says specifically right here, thou shalt not be treating election mail as any class of mail other than first class mail. A person might be able to get confirmation delivery but not tracking. You're going to give $25 billion, uh, put this together in 11 days, and by the way, it was passed on a Saturday. Did I mention Congressman? When does government work on Saturday? Uh, Congressman working on Saturday, they were in a rush to get this passed. Now, if you, why can't you add some clarity if you are going to track this? Oh, that's right. First mass, class mail cannot be tracked. This is kind of – it was heavy for me to realize this. I caught it right away when I read the bill. And I was stirring Saturday night over this. You're going to spend $25 billion, $25 billion, but you're not going to give assurance of tracking in the language. And you're saying don't make any changes. This is a little scary. It's only scary if Mitch McConnell is considering it. It has to go through the Senate, doesn't it? Yes, it's only been approved in the House. Um, I got feeling Trump would kill it by veto. He's going to look terribly ugly, when really bad. But the Senate's going to have to go through some committees, etc. But they can change the the language in the Senate, have a slightly different bill, and then they go through the reconciliation process between the Senate bill and the House bill if the Senate makes changes. Twenty-six Republicans voted yes for it in the House. That's not good. Why don't they add a paragraph clarifying adding money so that they can track your vote-by-mail envelopes? Because if you could imagine the accountability that would come, your doorstep, mail carrier, you know, this suppose there's – in some states, by the way, some states are adding these bar cards on um, the return envelope. You slip, you slip your ballot in the return envelope, there's a bar card. If the UPS and the states can work it out, the second, the second, the very second the mail carrier on the street picks up uh, your mail, he can do his little gun, ding, okay, received from John Doe's doorstep at 10.04 on Thursday. And then once it gets into the post office, ding, it's received at post office. From there, it's shipped to... To um, the sorting right, the tracking process uh, station. Begins. Yeah, ding, received at sorting station, and then it comes back because you're in the same county. Comes back to your post office, ding, as another time and date stamp on on the internet lookup, and then finally the mail carrier takes it to the county election clerk, ding, arrived on Friday at, at 4:03, county election clerk. Could you imagine? There's a chain of custody here. This tracking, if if all of a sudden, somebody looks up their ballot. Where is it today? 
and all of a sudden it stops between your post office and the sorting center in another city, guess what? Somebody may have thrown your ballot away. There is so much accountability with a tracking system. Well, I, I was talking to somebody tonight. I went to a, uh, a campaign event, a Trump campaign event, actually tonight, and I was take, talking to uh, basically the head of the, of the county Republican Party, and he was actually stating that he recommended to actually have as many people request a absentee ballot and vote that way, or to vote early. As, as much as they can, and actually drop off their ballot uh, right at the. Um, what, 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 there's some noise in the background. I don't know what that is, but um, yeah. Anyway, so he, he was suggesting that you know because they got a box outside the uh, election, uh, the board of elections, and he said that yeah, just drop it straight into there, and then you can actually um, look up that. Your that uh, your ballot was, uh, you know, was was counted is basically what he was saying. Well, yeah, we have to have a system of tracking because um, now, as far as the purview or the responsibility or the station and you know, all the the station of the post office is to get it from one place to another. That's it. What happens inside the county election clerk's office? How they count it? That's not part of the post office. Yeah. And by the way. Postmaster General DeJoy, DeJoy, is that a DeJoy? He was grilled on Monday by a House committee. Ton of questions. Anyway, um, so yes, some states are setting this up to you can check if the county clerk, election clerk, did get your mail in ballot. I would like to see a chain of custody even from when it leaves the county election clerk's office to your doorstep then from your doorstep to the county clerk, a complete tracking system. Because what it would do is, um, for example, if, if you, got, um, you got a dead person voting, it would be tracked on USPS. Also, if you had, tell, don't forget the signature verification. With absentee ballots, it's easy it's, – they verify your signature because you're requesting an absentee ballot. Some 17 states require conditions for you to, requ to request a, an absentee ballot. Something like I, I can't travel, I'm disabled, I can't make it to the polls, yada, yada. Um, and then they send them an absentee ballot, and when that absentee ballot makes it back to um, the election office, they can verify the signature um, from your absentee ballot to what they have on file when you've registered to vote. And so with mail-in ballots, that's going to be an issue as far as being able to match all those signatures that are coming in through a massive uh, mail-in ballot. Uh, because if there is going to be any type of voter fraud, like you said, dead people voting, the signature won't match. Um, and so that gets thrown out. There's a machine. Well, you've heard of Pitney Bowes. They preprint the uh, stamp on the envelope. Pitney Bowes also has a machine that will match the signature. We're talking thousands, thousands, thousands. If it doesn't match, okay. it kicks it out, and you can look at it. But mm -hmm. there is a database in the computer that has your signature. We all know how safe and secure computers are. But could you imagine if, say, the Chinese were to have inside help and a whole bunch of uh, electronic files, graphic files, displaying your 
signature and then the Chinese can do a counterfeit ballot all the way specific to your local school board and they can they have people in a huge Chinese warehouse forging the signatures very, very well, you could end up with a duplicate ballot, a counterfeit duplicate ballot. But with let's suppose USPS, you know, some lady from Mount Shasta, she gets a call from the county election clerk, says, Hey, uh, you got two ballots. USPS tracked uh, one of them from Mount Shasta, and the other one tracked it from L.A. Which ballot is valid, the one from L.A. or the one from Mount Shasta? Because we have to count one, or we have to throw them both away. You can't count them both. You just you can't do that. I mean, it would start checking. It would start catching people who are committing election fraud. I mean, for example, you got a if you've got a, a nice bar card and a postal worker, honest, he's a mail carrier. He picks it up from your post out your your mailbox at your house. You know the one you have out there by the sidewalk. Okay, so you got one there. You he pulls it out. He immediately scans it. He puts it in his bag, and it disappears somewhere between there and the county election clerk. And it keeps happening. USPS tracking. Why did it disappear? Well, that's what their problem is in New Jersey. Part of that is a problem there, and also um, the counting signatures or matching signatures and the signatures, uh, the people who are looking at them, because um, they're not using a machine or they didn't, um, were throwing ballots out, you know, saying, oh, it didn't match, oh, it didn't match, you know, type thing. Um, and then also the, the actual post office as far as they weren't in on time. And so there's a judge that's, um, I don't know if he actually did it, but he was considering last time I heard uh, doing a re-election in New Jersey because of that. So, oh, they might have to. Have it's a, a disaster. Huh? Yeah, they might have to. It's a disaster. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here, here, here's another scenario. Okay, some guy lives in four different. He he votes from from four different states. You know, um, I've heard stories of people that do this. Four, they, he votes in four different states. Guess what? USPS tracking, they can set up software to catch if anybody's voting for multiple states or multiple counties. There's so much that can be caught. But in the bill on Saturday, passed urgently, vote-by-mail ballots shall only be counted, shall be treated as first class, which I was told today, they do not have tracking. kind of hard to swallow. I'm going to find out tomorrow if you can do a confirmation, delivery confirmation. That would be from the post office to to um, the county clerk on first class. Just Anyway, packages are a different class. Packages are just a different class. The first class is how the mail-in ballot envelopes are going to be Treated. If you want it full tracking, you got to go priority. So, I mean, it's 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 frightening to see how many times I wrote in this legislation. Don't change anything. Don't change. Don't change. Don't change. What if Trump is trying to get new machines in there? New machines would automatically track. You put your name or your address or both. Bam. Yep. Delivered. Oh wait. I mean, could you imagine if, if thousands or tens of thousands of Americans are finding out 
that their vote didn't make it. And here's this, here's another scenario. A guy at Thanksgiving just gathers up four of his his uh, his uh, siblings and says, "Hey, look, yeah, come to my office. Did you guys don't vote? Well, well, Dave does, but you know the rest of you three, okay." Tim and Mary and Sue, let's go look and see if somebody voted for you. I know you guys don't vote. You don't even talk about politics. And they find out that Tim and, and Kim and Sue, everybody voted who never voted in years. They can find out through the USPS tracking system for a non-voter. Somebody voted for them. I mean, there's so much that can get exposed here. So we'll see if the Senate revises it and sends it back. But it's political genius by the Democrats. It really is. I have to give them that because it all looks so good, and the media will report it as good. They've been saying how, you know, propaganda, propaganda. The post office is having problems. They need more money. They need more money. They need more money. Oh, here's $25 million, billion. Here's $25 billion. Hooray, we solved the problem. That's how they're going to spin it. When Trump says, no, I'm not signing this, unless we have tracking. You know, the Democrats are going to crucify him on this. They set it up to make the Dems look good and the Repubs and, and, and Trump look bad. It's brilliant politically. Robert, did you have another clip? Uh, let's see. I've got many clips. Which one? Let's see. we got um, one. It's just a short one. It's totally uh, – Totally different than what we've been talking about, but it's one I was meaning to uh, to play last week, and uh, and I'm just let me get that uh, pull up here. Okay, I don't know why it's saying. Let's see. Let's try to pull it up, and it, there it is. Uh, again, this is something totally different than what we've been talking about, uh, but it's still something. Gosh, it's uh, already over to the top of the hour, so let's go ahead and, and get the, this in. It says the communist and Islamic axis of Joe Biden. The exclusive between me and you, but it's one of the most influential and one of the most dangerous organizations in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave you Obama. They gave you Biden. They've given you many of your senators and congressmen. And every one of them has worked to gut the U.S. military. And that was their goal. That's why it's called Council for a Livable World. The Council for a Livable World isn't against all nuclear weapons. It's just against our nuclear weapons. <laughs> so we give up our weapons, and we abide by the treaty, and we don't cheat. And the Russians cheat all the time and keep building up while we get lower and lower and they get tough, they get stronger and stronger. We got to this place because of the Council for a Livable World and similar groups who've been buying up your senators and congressmen for 50 years now, including Obama, including Biden, including Warren, including Bernie Sanders. Another man sponsored by the Council for a Livable World, Joe Biden, did massive damage to your military and will do even more if he becomes president. You know, the, the military is just starting to recover from the damage of the Obama years now, just beginning to recover. Joe Biden will finish that process, and he will gut your military to the point where Russia or China could walk over this country. Kaveen Mashini 
a spokesman for the Student Movement Coordination Committee for Democracy in Iran, calls Biden, quote, a great friend of the mullahs, in quote. He notes that Biden's election campaigns, quote, have been financed by Islamic charity of the Iranian regime based in California and by the Silicon Iran Network, end quote. A loosely knit group of wealthy Iranian-American businessmen and women seeking to end the U.S. trade embargo in Iran. Quote, in exchange, the center does his best to aid the mullahs, end quote. And Obama did everything he could to empower the Russians through his term of office and his body. Well, we know that these are dangerous people. Biden is surrounded by the Islamist money and the the neo-Marxist concepts. I mean, he is in thick with the red-green axis, right? Look, absolutely. And I think Biden looks after himself. He's an ideological leftist, but he will take money from from anywhere he can get it, and he's very happy to take it from from Iran. Oh, absolutely corrupt. But he's, he's a national security threat. He, he, look, he wouldn't be able to pass a background check to drive a school bus. You know, he wouldn't be allowed to put, sell you stamps at the post office. It's so there's, sad. There's no way it's he so could get a There's no way he could pass a security clearance or any form of background check. You're right. In 2008, Joe Biden was one of 16 U.S. senators who voted against a bill that would have added Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps to the State Department's list of international terrorist organizations because of its involvement in murdering U.S. troops in Iraq. But that was, Biden was against that. The Worldview Weekend Hour begins right now. Again, and that's not something you're hearing on any. I, I found that interesting clip from last week. Uh, that was actually last week. Can you uh, the website, uh, the Bar's Lunch Club? newsroom, and that was last week. You can actually go back to previous uh, uh, subscriptions, but uh, like last week's uh, articles and things of that nature, you can find that on on the website. But you're not hearing a lot of folks talking about any of that. I mean, when I've seen that video, uh, that's the first time I've seen or heard of any of that. I mean, I'm not even hearing that on any of the any of the other stations, that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know why. Maybe they're just not having it, but that's that's the first I've ever heard of that stuff. I heard something a little bit, just um, in passing, so to speak, but, yeah, news media is uh, not reporting it. I don't think they would. Uh, but uh, And Fox News, well, they're just they're lost cause now. <laughs> it just kicked me off with this whole RNC convention not playing it, but... That's another thing. But, yeah, um, yeah, I heard that he had Islamic ties, and, and that was also uh, him, him and Obama um, were working together like that um, and drawing in support. So, hmm, very interesting. That clip is very interesting. Where did you get that clip from? Um, actually, I got it from the Bard's Logic Little Talk newsroom. Uh, so you go to www.bardslogiclittletalk.com. And then you go to the like go to the newsroom, and then actually it was from last week I believe I got that uh, uh-huh. was from last week. And then what you could do is you could go where it says archives on there, uh-huh. and then once you push the archive button, you could go to uh, last week, which was yeah, the 18th, and you go to the videos, and that let's see if I can find it for you. Um, I'll have to listen to that again. That's very interesting. Hmm. 
Yeah, there's a lot of videos on there. I'm trying to trying to find it. Um, uh, let's see what the title of it. Let me get the title for you. Uh, the title was how. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a second. Communist and Islamic Axis Joe Biden. That's the name of it. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I found it. It is on there. It was shared by um, Brady uh, Watley. But yeah, it's on there. And it's longer, a little bit longer than what, what we heard, but it, it's on there. So that's how you would uh, access that. Now, it's okay, cool. Tuesday, August 18th edition. Now, one of the things that, you know, again, going back to our you know, thing, you know, how Democrats can vote for uh, Trump by voting for America is – if we ensconce it in, in, in just that, say, look, I mean, you probably you, you may not like Trump personally, but if you take away, and one thing I I, I want to ask is, so if you did not watch, you know, MSNBC, CNN, NPR, you know, the New York Times, things of that nature, if you didn't watch any of those things about Trump, what would you think about Trump? And that would be very telling because they probably would be like, well, I couldn't tell you anything because that's all they watch on Trump. And everyone who, who, who really knows, and let's be honest, I mean, if anyone here who follow anyone who really follows politics, I don't think they can honestly tell you that they know, they think that CNN, you know, all the alphabet media that I call it, and I put media in quotation marks, they got to know that they're not balanced. They gotta know they're anti-Trump. I, I just don't know how they can know otherwise. Maybe they don't. Maybe I'm giving more credit than where credit is due. But you would think they've gotta know. But again, maybe they don't. But my point is, is that if we can discuss it, where look, yeah, you might not like Trump. You might like his personality, his tweets, things of that nature. But this is what America's gonna look like. It's Biden. You want to keep? I mean, do you like what we're seeing in, in Portland? You know, remind these folks because they're not getting it on the news channels, Russia. It's going to have to come from us, okay? And then, I mean, how can this? What do you point it to them? Do you, do you accept violence? Do you know even know what's going on in these cities? And, and these cities, these states, they're being they're being run by Democrats. And one of the things you, you they have to understand is they're being fed. Oh well, this is this is Trump's virus. Trump is, a, is a responsible for 150, 180,000. They failed to know, maybe it's because of our failed school systems, that the United States is a republic. It's actually the responsibility falls on the, the governors and the mayors of that state. And if you do the math as we did some weeks ago, then you'll see that you know there are if, if you add up all the COVID cases and the Democrat Runs, now, this was as of like three weeks ago, so the numbers are – I'm sure they're different. But there's such a large spread. But three weeks ago, if you took all the COVID deaths – and again, if we can believe the numbers – from all the Democrat states, okay, this was from three weeks ago, the total was 105,656. And that's all the states added up who have Democrat governors. If you go to all the state COVID that have Republican governors, you're looking at 36 – this is, again, three weeks ago – but you're looking at 36,216. So tell me, how the hell is that Trump's fault? 
Not, I mean, we're in a republic. How in the hell is that, is that Trump's fault? That's almost three times, almost three times the death from states that are in. And even if you took out New York, which is which is the most, and still is the most, it still would have been about double the amount of blue states compared to uh, red states, you know, or not even you know ones that have you know Democrat uh, governors. And that's something that needs to be pointed out because they're all pointing. Oh well, Trump Trump's responsible for 180 deaths. Like tonight's theme is, a, you know, keep you know bring make America great again. Oh well, you know, America is still great. Oh well, no, it's not. Really? And so one, we we've survived this pandemic, you know, more than others. And people are like, oh well, 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 look look at the countries in Europe. We're so much worse than the countries in Europe. But wait a minute. But if you take the you know, the United States. As Laura Ingram has said, we're a very large country comprised of states that are the size and population of of nations in Europe. So if you want to make a fair comparison, and this is something that they need to see, if you want to make a fair – we are in Bard's Logic after dark now, so please don't let your mic uh, drop or your phone drop. But if you want to make a fair comparison, add up the deaths you know, and do the you – know, Deaths per hundred thousand or whatever way they do it, you know, per capita, you know, of Western Europe, you know, or there's six countries or what, you know, add that up because what you need to do is you need to take the populations to make a fair assessment. So if you do that, Europe's not not faring as well, you know, or fared better than the United States, and certainly their economies haven't. Haven't fared fared better better than ours. These are the type of things that we're going to need to show people, you know, show Democrats. Because I mean, I think it is going to take some Democrats, you know, to to vote for uh, for Trump as well. I think this, unfortunately, and maybe I hope I'm wrong, but unfortunately, this very well may be, and I think a lot of reasons why it may be so um, close is because of you know a lot of crooked stuff. But I think this very well may be a close election. If, and if they, are, if they are successful in cheating at all, I mean, even, even just a little bit of them getting away with it could very well tip the, tip the balance, tip the numbers in Biden's favor. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, this whole thing, well, see, people don't know how the Constitution works. At first, you know, they didn't want Trump saying, closing down the country because – he was being a dictator and all this other. Exactly. Go ahead and exactly. Do go about your business. Everything's fine. He's just making a big deal out of nothing. He just wants to be racist and close off China and these other countries from coming over here, and that's racist. Okay, so fine, whatever. He did it anyway because he did it for the good of the country. Thank goodness. And then afterwards, then a month after, I guess it was in March. Then there's at the end of March, they're saying why. Why didn't he do more sooner? He could have done more sooner. He could have saved more lives. Mm-hmm. He should have done more sooner. It's like, okay, so make up your damn mind. You tried to do something sooner. You called him a racist. He did do something, and you know, and, and now you're saying he could have done something sooner. He did what he could do with what he had as far as knowledge because China was holding out on that. And so he could only do so much. He's not a mind reader. And when he did receive information from his intelligence, he acted upon it. And, and then from there, he did... At accordingly, um, as the months progressed, what was necessary. But being that we are 50 sovereign states, it is up to the governors to handle their people. 
It is not up to the president to hold their hand. He gave them guidance. He had experts and professionals giving their guidance of what they should do, but he couldn't make it law. He couldn't mandate it because it is up to the individual states to decide what they need to do for their people. And if there's help that's needed, that's beyond what they have uh, within their means, then you go to the federal government and then you ask for what you need. And then they deal with it from there. But other than that, he can't do anything. He couldn't do anything. And if when he did try, he was a dictator. So, you know, <laughs> I hope people see uh, and go and look up that timeline uh, of the events that had happened from February when we, were, when we first uh, knew about the virus and the actions that the president had taken uh, in order to, if you're on the fence about what happened with COVID because of all the information you're receiving here and there from certain news stations, there's a timeline that you can find at thewhitehouse.com. Um, and you can look it up to see what events have taken place and, and what, when and where and what time. So, you know, that's, it's just BS how they do that. They switch on him. So he acts one way because they're demanding this and that. Okay, does it. And then they turn around and call him racist for it. <laughs> well, and, and it's, by, it's by design. Just, just like, okay, just like, the Dem- just like the Democrats in the House with the whole post office thing, right? They, they, you know, they try to because you know, of course, he, he, and here's how they do it. This is by plan. First is like, oh my gosh, we gotta do mail-in ballots. We gotta do mail-in ballots. We gotta do mail-in ballots. Then they try to create a bill to save the post office. Let's get the post office ready, you know, uh, to you know help them out with the voting. And then they pass a bill that there's no way in hell it's going to pass the Senate because it's ridiculous. So that even if it does, he'll veto it. So that they can, they, they know it's not going to pass. They make something up so ridiculous, they know it's not going to pass to the Senate, or Trump's going to uh, veto it, for that they could come around and go to their sycophants in the news, quote unquote, media, so they can tell, oh look, Trump is trying to Trump is trying to affect the election by not properly funding the post office. Mm-hmm. So they do this by design. So they, you know, so that it's a, in, in every effort to try to make Trump look bad, and this is stuff, stuff like this we got to point out. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to point, we got to point that stuff out because we're doing they, they do it on purpose to, yeah. to try to set and, it up. Sure, I mean anything at this point that the president does automatically. Nancy Pelosi's on there saying that it's unconstitutional, un, unconstitutional, and this is why he needs to be removed. Why we need to vote. Him out because it's he's a threat to our democracy, blah blah blah, yada yada. <laughs> and she's projecting. That's all she's doing. You know, we have Joe Biden who's courting um, Islam, not Muslims, but Islam. And you know, where he's talking about we need to teach more about um, Islam in schools. And it's like, what <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> and it just just grazes right over people's heads. It's like, yeah, okay, that sounds cool. No, it's not. Hello, I mean, Mr. Biden, or Biden praised Islam as one of the greatest confessional faiths, uh, while he was claiming it's routinely maligned by President Trump. You know, and <laughs> it's not true. I mean, well, Islam, Muslims—they're two different things. But I think he thinks they're the same thing, and they're not. And it blows my mind, you know, that people would agree with that. And it's—it's it's just, you know, beyond me. So. He's making direct appeals to to um, these 
Islamic people, and he's telling them, we need you to vote, um, and I implore you, I need you to get out there and register to vote. They're asking for their family members and friends and everything to mobilize and <laughs> everything else to get them to vote. And they didn't come out very much in 2016, but um, they're, they have a movement going um, to vote for Joe Biden. So, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Bring Sharia to uh, the United States. Well, and it had, well, look at some of the people they've they've elected. Uh, some of the, I mean, I can't believe Omar and uh, got elected, and you've got uh, Ocasio Cortez, and, and then you have um, Talib getting, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I guess Biden made a, a speech recently to a million Muslims um, to get their vote, and he mm-hmm. said, uh, "quote He wished that more laws, that more was being done to to um, to teach about the Islamic faith in schools." He called Islam one of the greatest confessional faiths, informing that theology is one of his avocations. And he explained that, quote, we all come from the same root here in terms of our fundamental basic beliefs. And it's like, no, (laughs) not quite. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, he says Islamic religion is peace, I guess, like George W. Bush did after 9-11. That was kind of strange. I, I remember thinking back then when he said that. Um, that they were peaceful people. Now, Muslims are different, but Islamics. Now, the Muslim faith may be peaceful people, but Islamic Islam is not. Islam is about um, the oh, well, infidel. Well, I, I mean, I posted something on uh, on Twitter last night. Uh, who was that? <laughs> Saying Christo-fascist. It's like, oh, that's not. That, that's what these people wrote. And the thing is, is I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't tout my own personal lack of religiosity. I guess maybe sometimes I do, but um, the thing is, is I mean, that 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 stuff really pisses me off. To be honest, it's like you know, it's like go ahead and offend 65 percent of the country that call them Christo fascists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. But but, but that that is that's really what that's really what they 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 think. That's that's really mm-hmm. what they think of people, and it's like. So you want to re- so you want to say that you represent these people, you know. I don't even like to use the term these people, but represent the, those people, mm-hmm. and yet you know you want to call them Christo fascists. It's like sixty five percent of the nation, I think, uh, designates <laughs> themselves, if not more, uh, as Christian. So what, mm-hmm. are they all fascists because they're Christian? Or I don't know, but they think you are. I mean, I really do. I really think I, I'm trying to think who. Uh, I think it was Angela. I think it was Alexander Chalupa. I think she was the person who who said that, or or somebody of that nature. I, mean, I, I might go back and and look at who who mentioned it. But I mean, that just kind of stuff is just to me off. Um, now, one mm, thing I want to bring like up, when you man, and Kelly, we only got like. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, well, you said ahead. me and I'm Kelly. Sorry, what? Oh, well, I was we're talking about the Hitler thing, and so I was <laughs> the Hitler thing. I was just going to say, I usually ask him what policies or what has he done to to that he's like Hitler, and they can never name anything. Anyway, back to you. Well, yeah, yeah. How's he like Hitler? Uh, uh, that's a good point. I, I should probably just put it like that and say make, make them prove it, right? They always try to say, "Oh, we'll prove this." Like I had one you know, somebody who just tweeted, he's like, "Oh, well, show me the numbers," and I'm like, "See, that's what makes these people so susceptible. They're not willing to do the research themselves. So that's why." The, and the media knows this. The media knows that these people are not going that you know they're not going to do any research themselves. Perfect example is something that happened. Some weeks ago, is that you know 
on Facebook, someone, you know, was like said, oh, well, Trump believes that the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. And, you know, it was put to her, say, well, where, where, show me the video where Trump said that. And so they sent an article that, had, that was talking about a tweet that Trump retweeted. And in that tweet was a video of this guy who was the uh, Cowboys for Trump. And so I, I did some digging. And we said, first we said, well, wait a minute. We, uh, Trump never said that. That was something somebody else said. And she was like, oh, well, well, Trump retweeted it, so that must mean he believes it. And so I'm like, you know, I doubt if Trump's going to retweet something like that. So I did some research, and I actually watched the video that they took the, the clip at. And the guy mm-hmm. said, he's like, he's like, I'm coming to the conclusion, and this is almost a full quote, folks, because I've watched the video so much. He said, I'm coming to the conclusion that the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. Now, I could see people now taking you know, pieces of this video and posted it saying that I am promoting people to go out and kill Democrats. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they should you – know, the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat in a political sense, not a physical sense. And so they took him that one part of him saying and made it out as if Trump was supporting just that statement. So you've got these people who are unwilling – they're unwilling, and the reason why they're unwilling is because they're hearing something that already fits their preconceived notion of who Donald Trump really is, on who President Trump really is. So since it fulfills that, they're not going to bother. You know, uh-huh. you know, They're not going to bother to look more into it. And that's the thing, just like this guy is like, oh, well, Europe did so much better. I'm like, well, why don't you look at the numbers? Well, show me the numbers. Well, why, can, why, why don't you look for it yourself? I mean, I know we're busy people, but if you're going to tout something, you know, show evidence of what it's proof. You know, mm-hmm. and try, that's another thing that people are guilty of is they'll read the headlines of an article, and you'll get all this Twitter storm on, on, the, the, on the title of the article. And then it's like, um, did you actually read the article? And, th- and they don't. <laughs> they just read the headline. And even if, right. and if they actually took the time to read the article, they would say, oh. Okay, but these these damn Politico and and the Hill and places like that, you know, and CN, the CNN they they put I maybe mean, they just put the headline and just a little part of it, and then when you dig deeper, which again most people they don't do it, then they they tweet at stuff that they're totally you know don't know what's going on. Mhm. Or they like to they'll one up it, so they'll say something. And this recently happened on Wednesday on one of the BTR shows. Um, they were talking about Trump and, oh, gosh, I wish I could remember exactly uh, what he, oh, okay, the whole um, Russian uh, taking out our guys, our military guys out there and that he knew mm-hmm. about it or something like that. And it's like, no. Now, if you read the article, any of those articles that came out and accused Trump of having Russians take out our, our military guys out there, um, it says, and I have them read it. I had to read it. It says that they uh, believe, but there isn't anything concrete. They don't have anything, any specific evidence. But, right. you know, they, um, there's a possibility. And it's like, see all these words, possibility, they believe. That's not, that's not factual saying, yes, Trump ordered our military to be taken out by Russian um, people out there in, in 
Yeah, that, that he didn't know about it. Or he didn't do anything yeah. about it. So, yeah, they're saying, oh, well, he knew and he didn't do anything about it. Right, right. And um, and so I said, right there. So we don't know for sure what's going on. They're still, I guess, looking into it. But as far as Trump knows, and his people already came out and gave a statement and yada, yada. And they're like, yeah, but he never actually came out and denied it. And it's like, <laughs> he said he didn't know anything about it. He was going to look into what was going on. And, you know, you've got these guys over here at the Pentagon that like to make up stuff to take us to war over stupid stuff. And you have Trump that wants to look into it a little bit more to see what's going on um, because they didn't throw him in on it. And so you can't say that, yes, he's taking out our military. He doesn't care about our military. Well, he never actually came out and denied it. And what about when he did um, blah, 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 you know, or put our other military in harm's way or they changed the subject altogether? And I'm like, no, wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. Get back to the article. Read to me possibilities that they believe, but there is no hard evidence. It even says so that well, they don't have any hard evidence. The same, that, you know, the same thing with the impeachment on. inquiry. It was, all, it was all hearsay and opinion. Mm-hmm. Hearsay and opinion is not evidence. Right. It was all their, exactly. it was all their you know, oh, Andrea Yates or whatever her name is. and Oh, you know, uh, what's that? Yovankovitch or whatever the hell her name was. All they did was oh. give their opinion. They even said under oath, well, we're not sure. Well, well, I don't have any firsthand evidence, any firsthand knowledge. Right. So you even admitted under oath, but you're, you give your opinion and you expect people, and there are people who do, obviously, who think that, oh, yeah, that's the truth. That must be my time. Again, oh, well. She said this. The media spent it this way. Every damn alphabet media channel says it. So to these people, it must be true. Uh huh. Yep. Well, I heard, and it's like you heard. Okay. Well, so you don't know for sure. Well, no, but they were saying, well, who are they? I don't know. They said sources, and I'm like, okay, did they list their sources? No, they just said sources say. I'm like, all right, well, there we go, right there. They can't give <laughs> anonymous <you> sources. <laughs> yeah, the anonymous sources said. So I go, really, well, the anonymous, you know, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, you got to give us a little bit more They can say anything, that. and you'll believe them? Yeah. Anonymous sources say that um, you like to run around in your front yard through the sprinklers naked. So it must be true, right? <laughs> No, well, in my case, that's it is. stupid. But, no, it's not <laughs> stupid. Anonymous sources said. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, and I take it they run with it. And unfortunately, there's enough people who, and again, they again they they don't do their research. They don't they, they don't do their research. They rather you know they rather have somebody do for their work. So they for one the thing is is they don't do their own research. You know because they don't want personal accountability. Because they have to be personally accountable, uh, personally account- accountable for it. And actually, I, I don't even think it's that as much as if they hear something that already fits within their preconceived notions on what the truth is. Okay, well that bolsters it, and that's all the that's frankly all the media has been, has, has been doing, you know, since then. And of course, a lot of people they probably already didn't like Trump because oh my God, he's rich. Who freaking cares, you know? But and that's and that's another thing is you know you got people who. They hate Donald Trump just for the very fact that he's rich and they're jealous over it. But yeah, you know, that's so true. that's already starting the pre- preconceived notions of things. The one thing yet yeah, I want to go back to, and then we'll bring bring you back in, Kelly. If you, um, but one of the things that you know during the JFK uh, speech, he just said, you know what? No one can predict 
I'm paraphrasing now, but no one can predict how this is going to turn out with the, uh, you know, going going to the going to the moon, and that's kind of like how we're, our COVID is, okay, and we don't really know where it's going to go, except I think it's going to be over November fourth. Now, but I'm just saying that tongue in cheek, but but one thing I say over and over again <laughs> is that yes, we we can't predict things, but just because we predict things doesn't mean we need to cower in our homes. And I think that's what the Democrats want us to do. They want us to cower in our homes. And unfortunately, they want us to cower in their homes for the, to gain their own political power. You know, Because, they, again, what we said in the very beginning of the show, the difference between – and this is what we could tell our Democrat friends – is that this is you know, not really – I mean it is. It is a, you know election, you know, Trump versus Biden. But it really is an election of freedom, not well. They, he said freedom versus tyranny, but I put it t- liberty versus submission. They, I mean, we're we're, we're to, to submit to the BLM, we're or to submit to the government, you know, inf- you know, interfering with our lives. Okay, we got the the government controlling us. Who knows? Maybe if Biden gets in, he's, he's going to shut down the government again, or, or try to make everybody take this vaccine. So we are to we're you know instead of being you know individuals with personal responsibility, we are to submit to them, and that's what they that's what they want. And what do they need to accomplish for us to be submissive, submissive to them, to submit to their organizations and, and to a, a big government? We can mm-hmm. no longer be the home of the brave, but the fear. And if we are no longer the home of the brave, then we cannot remain to be the land of the free. And that's what they want. They don't want us to be the land of the free. They want us submissive to them. So when we talk to our Democrat friends, it's like that's what they want. They want us to submit to the government. And, oh, but they want to help us. No, they don't. Because here, let's say – let's let's just use everyday life. When someone helps you, right, you feel obligated to them, don't you? Oh, man, mm-hmm. you know, someone, someone helped me out. I'm obligated to I return a favor to them. So look at the bigger picture. If the government is going to help you, what is the government going to expect from you? And this is what the government is going to expect from you. We're going to feed you. We're going to clothe you. We're going to educate your children. And they're not just saying this to citizens. They're saying this to illegal immigrants too, which remember Biden wants to, you know, give them, you know, give I'm having a brain freeze on that. You know, he wants to give amnesty to 11 million, if not more, immigrants, of course, perpetuating Democrat power for impetuity. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so basically we're going to take care of you. But we, we're going to want something in return. We want you to submit to the federal government. We want you to submit to Black Lives Matter. We want you to submit to the mob so that if they say, as you're seeing this now, so if you're expect, I'm telling you, I, this, I, I don't care how this sounds, but I'm telling you, this, they're, and they're using racism because basically, I mean, they're telling blacks it's okay for them to go in the white neighborhoods and say, look, you need to give, you, you need to give out your, give out, you know. You know, give up your homes and give them to us. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. You know, they're going to peace. You know, people, people. But of course, you can't do this to a place like Lori Lightfoot, 
you know, you can't do that. And she's and she's not ashamed to, to say that she wants to protect her family, but who cares about protecting <laughs> anyone else's? I know, she's sick. You know, so again, I mean, so it's like, look, the, the government wants us to submit to them. And if you could get these, the people to say, look, do you want to be a part of an America where we have to submit to the mob, we have to submit to politicians with the promise that they're going to not hurt us? So that's what you're we, – we're going to submit to the mob because we don't want us – they don't want them, us, them beating us up because we disagree with it. We don't want them raiding our neighborhoods and raiding into our homes, so we have to submit to them. And give them reparations that what Kamala Harris is going to do. We're going to have to submit to them, you know, to make sure that they still get, you know, all this. Uh, you know, we educate their kids for free in private schools that their parents don't even work hard enough to get them there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, you know that that is what they want to submit. Why should yeah, we I mean, why, what, submit to the criminals? Go ahead. Uh, see the you know, they, they tried with that as far as to, to bring us into submission, and for the most part, there are still a lot of states that haven't fully reopened. But this is a cognitive dissonance moment, you know, it's being imprinted in our brains. Now, if you remember... You're, you're really happening? muffled there, Suzette. I'm sorry, you're really okay. muffled there. Oh, hang on. Okay. okay. I was just saying, it was a, this is a cognitive dissonance moment in time that we're yeah, experiencing right now. And because this is being imprinted in our brain with the COVID-19 and the mask wearing and the whole three months, it's, you know, every three months it's going to come back around again. And, you know, just like the Great Depression was imprinted in our brains and uh, 9-11 with weapons of mass destruction they used against us. So we're being conditioned unbelievable um, as an excuse for unbelievable acts, um, tyranny. And I don't know, this is, I guess, to justify... Remember 2020? So when 2021 comes along and they talk about all the people that died in 2020 from this COVID because we didn't follow exactly what they told us to do as far as everybody locked down. They used the loved ones who died, the ones that are infected. They used them to basically scare everybody. (laughs) And by doing that, they desecrate their memory. They desecrate the persons themselves, um, you know, their honor, their integrity, um, because they're just they're political, I don't know what do you call it, political pawns, I guess, uh, being used to scare people into staying home and wearing masks. So it's a test also in our humanity to see how much of our liberty that we're going to be willing to let go before we finally draw that line, you know. And that goes to what you were talking about a moment ago, with the whole rioting and taking over our homes and burning down our businesses. That one couple that they had on the RNC convention that spoke up, it just takes one couple. So why aren't other people standing up? Yes, they've got arrested, but they're not going to be able to arrest everybody if everybody stands up instead of hiding in their house and just hopes that their business doesn't get burned down or that their home doesn't get you know destroyed uh, by these rioters and vandals. So... We all talk about having, you know, our sidearms and how important the Second Amendment is. And when they come knocking at our door, well, they're knocking. They're knocking. So where are you? What are yeah, you going to do? Well, and I'll Go tell ahead. you what. Here's a book that I recommend that people read. And I, I, I have it somewhere buried in my um, 
my book collection somewhere. I wish I could find it. And it's a disturbing book. I mean, for what I didn't like the I didn't like the book. I didn't like the ending, but I, I made myself read it. And if if anyone out there has never read uh, Arn Rand, Atlas the book Atlas Shrugged by uh, Arn Rand, you got to read that book. That is that that book. You got to read it. I mean, it tells I you it. I tells you where I think we could be heading. And that's terrible. You know, I mean, it could be maybe not our generation, but it could be our kids. And there you go. There's another thing. How can you get Democrats to vote for Trump? Now, of course, the Democrats are going to try to pay them. Oh, well, we're not going to have a planet, you know, if the Democrats, the Republicans get in because global warming and this and that. It's like, you know, point, point back to history. Like, you know, they've been saying that the planet's going to – Global freezing, global warming. That's why they have to call it global climate change. They've already tried global cooling. They've already tried global warming, and they've been wrong with their predictions. Now they got to do climate change. Well, because the climate's always changing. <laughs> so that's why they got <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah, that's 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 why they got they, they got to call it that because no matter what happens, oh look, that's global climate change. Well, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, if it cools, it's because of climate change. If it heats up, it's because of climate change. And again, I'm, I'm, this, I'm coming from, you know, I would like to see, you know, I'd like to see more green technologies and things of that nature. But I don't think that the, the new Green Deal, for instance, is it's really about, you know, protecting the environment. Oh, it's not. It's not. If you've read it, it talks about basically the redistribution redistrib- of wealth. It talks about uh, free colleges. It talks about all this other stuff except for climate. And I found that very interesting. It's online. You can find the Alexandria's Green Deal that people are promoting. And there isn't anything in there that has to do with climate. It all has to do with everything else <laughs> but climate. <laughs> and I was dumbfounded <laughs> when I read it. I'm like, okay, so where's the, where's the green coming from? Um, there's no suggestions of solar panels or anything else like that. It's just um, the redistribution of wealth, basically, and how, how they can do that and basically socialize our system because capitalism is bad. And, uh, yeah, so I encourage you, if you haven't read it, read it. Find it online. Oh, yeah, certainly. And I guess that's the last clip I want to play um, uh, play tonight. And I've got uh, – I think we're going to see more of this happening again if, if, if we get more – you know, if Biden, you know, and then, of course, Harris, who I think is actually going to be the one who's going to be president, and I think locally uh, we're going to see more things such as this. What they get this guy uh, Tim from Shingletown. This is also uh, a video you could watch um, from last week's uh, that would have been from last week's show. Uh, but this is uh, you know a guy just you know regular guy, you know talking in front of uh, some community uh, quote unquote leaders and and, and what his ex- experiences and how it seems. That you know they're just not listening to the people anymore, and I think that's going to get worse. And that's another thing. Tell the Democrats, you know, look, uh, you're not going to get it where they're going to listen to to we the people anymore. They're not going to care. My name is Tim Fairfield, and I live in Shingletown. I enlisted in Shasta County. I I took the oath of office, the oath of enlistment, before I could vote. That vote was, or that oath was an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I would like to remind you, you took a very similar oath 
A lot of you may have forgotten that. I would hope you just forgot you took the pet oath. And you weren't just liars from the beginning. There are hundreds of people out there. And yet, I stand in an empty room. This isn't your room. It belongs to those people out there. And I can't figure out if you're just hiding in here. You know, an empty room. You got your sycophants and maybe a few toadies. Are you hiding from the public out of contempt or just cowardice? Maybe corruption? I'm not sure. Uh, there, there's a lot of questions going on out there, and that's what they're asking. Let me remind you of what the law says in California from the Open Meetings Act. The people of this state do not yield their sovereignty to the agencies which serve them. The people, in delegating their authority, do not give their public servants the right to decide what is good for the people to know and what is not good for them to know. The people insist on remaining informed so that they may retain control over the instruments they have created. This is their body, not yours. You know, this is 2020, so maybe I can take a page from your friends at Antifa and BLM. If you don't want the people in this room exercising their God-given authority to supervise you, their servants. We can take these protests to your house, to your neighborhood. How long do we have to march in front of your streets before, before you're a pariah to your neighbors, before you're reviled in your community? That, that is an option. Peacefully to assemble doesn't mean that you get to hide in this room from the protest. You know, you were more than glad to let BLM take the streets two months ago. We can do that. So let me remind you of something else that one of our founders, our, one of our greatest founders had wrote. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Where do you stand? And to those of you over there with that badge, you took an oath too. And so when these people do not let the citizenry of this county into this building to participate in their process, who's breaking the law and who do you side with? Thank you. And that's, that's one thing that I think that we as you know, Trump supporters, conservatives, whatever, living libertarians – you know, American lovers says, I think, I think we're too quiet. I think we're too quiet. It would be interesting experiment to see. Oh, and actually, they've already kind of shown their hands. Because remember when you had people in Michigan who carried their guns, there was no burning. There was no looting. But they were, had guns. Some of them, all you know, semi-automatic weapons. Remember, I believe it was in Michigan when they were protesting. And what were the Democrats calling them? What was Hillary Clinton calling them? They were calling them domestic terrorists. So we already kind of know what would happen if folks like us were doing, not even just doing what BLM and Antifa are doing, but if we just even 
protested, and, and even if we just carried our guns, then they would call us, you know, the domestic terrorists. But it still would be an interesting experiment that if just not in Michigan, but if all over the country we had ground swells of people week by week doing this. Now, the reason, and let's be I don't care what people think about this statement. Let's be honest with you. The reason why you don't see the people on our side out there protesting and spending weeks and weeks and on end out out there, because frankly, we we're working. We're we're working. Okay, we're not taking those government checks so that we can just go out and and, and protest and cause havoc. We're not doing illegal activities. Who knows? Maybe a lot of these people are already criminals. Maybe they're already selling drugs. I mean, where do they got the time to spend night after night after night protesting and rioting and looting? Does any citizen – here you go. Bring this up to your Democrat working friend. Say, wait a minute. Do you have time to go out in those streets every night for weeks on end and protest? No, you got a family to take care of. And also, you know, would you if you, know, if you were pregnant with a baby, okay, or, or you had little children? Because you know, remember the big thing. Oh, these police are terrible. These police are horrible because they, you know, there's children getting gassed. Well, what kind of freaking moron who's either pregnant or has a kid with them goes to a protest anyway? I mean, who who does that? And, and what they're doing is they are sacrificing their own children. They're putting their own children in harm's way. I would even dare say to say they may even be using their own children or, or their pregnancies, their unborn children, as human shields okay, to, to protect them or to say, look, oh, look what they did to us. I'm telling you, the police are set up. They have been set up. And just like this guy recently in Kenosha, Wisconsin is that the guy was reaching into his car, okay? The, I seen a video that uh, on Twitter, I'm, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. It, it was an, a, an actor who, who tweets on that. Um, uh, I can't remember, uh, Woods. I think his last name was Woods. And he showed a video of these two officers. James Woods, thank you. Yeah, maybe you've seen the video where these two officers – we're trying to pin this guy. I think they might have even tased him, but I don't think it phased him because he, he, maybe he was on drugs. So what he ended up doing, he ended up getting away from these two officers, reached into his car, grabbed his gun, and shot the two officers. So you got the same guy in Kenosha, Wisconsin, reaching into his car because he's trying not to get arrested. Who knows what the hell he's going to pull out? You know, so – I mean, he's not, to my understanding, he's not dead. He might be paralyzed. And I was saying last night, wouldn't it be wonderful? This ain't going to happen, and, and, you know, this ain't going to happen. It would be wonderful if it did. Wouldn't it be wonderful if he came out and said, you know what, folks? Oh, we lost Kelly. Anyway, wouldn't it be wonderful if he came out and said, you know what? I was wrong. I should have never reached in my car. It is my fault that those, those police officers shot me. Now, it's, again, it's never going to happen. Uh, I would be so shocked if it did, but yeah, who knows? I mean, could you imagine what what would happen if if he did that? 
Well, they'd, oh, they'd probably say he was forced or blackmailed or something. So it's wishful thinking. But anyway, this guy had a criminal record of domestic abuse. Abuse. It's it's been reported that you know in 2015, he you know during a bar uh, dispute, you know he pulled a gun out on somebody. Through my understanding, uh, I, you know, you know he's he's had like three domestic uh, charges against him. So what, what what are the cops going to do? Wait until they're getting shot at or get shot before they can well, you know be proactive? They chased him once and it didn't work, and he started to walk towards his vehicle around there. But they did chase him once. He was fighting officers. He was down on the ground and they chased him and it didn't work. And so you know yeah, what is what is he going to go to his vehicle for? A tissue? No. <laughs> Come on. I would say he was going for a gun. Yeah, he was, I, yeah. Well, some think he might even he may have even had a knife. Yeah, and the kids were in the car. Does that? Hmm. It would be nice to see, but I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. But <laughs> it's okay. it just was. Yeah, I've got a real quick. Um, I'm going to uh, play this audio clip. Um, it's about a first-time voter. It's going to take us to probably close to uh, closing comments, but let me get this played for us. Yesterday, I was at the uh, Freedom Works rally. Uh, that was in Cincinnati Convention. Ironically enough, where this was, was going to be, but, you know, I think it was a smart move to, to move it here, frankly. Uh, hey, I'm going to shut up. No, but anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, great. And so, now yesterday uh, at the Freedom Works rally, they had uh, Glenn Beck on. And he was kind of like the keynote speaker. We all know that he, you know, and I'm not a real, any of my audience knows I'm this, not, I'm not, not a Glenn Beck, Beck fan. Glenn Beck's lived his time out. Glenn Beck is done. Glenn Beck's views and the way how he thinks does not reflect the people of Ohio. Where Glenn Beck lives, the way he feels, people aren't following. The people of Ohio are not listening to Glenn Beck. I got news for you. We're not even listening to Rush Limbaugh. We're going the way we want to go. These people that are the status quo, Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, even Fox News, I don't believe them anymore. I don't believe nothing. They want to replay the same old things over and over and over and over and over. Every 30 minutes, you're going to see the same thing over and over and over. They don't show nothing positive. They only show the negatives. And they want to point the negatives towards Mr. Trump, and it's not towards Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump didn't control the protesters who came in in Chicago. It's plain and simple. He can't control what those people do. Mm -hmm. The 3,000, the 3,500 that came to see him in Chicago, they're the ones that's got their First Amendment rights took away. Yeah, because they weren't able to, yeah, unfortunately cancel it. Unfortunately. They say that Donald Trump controls the media. No, the media is the one that's putting Donald Trump on. Because they're getting ratings. The people want to see Donald Trump. It's plain and simple. We're tired of the status quo. We're tired of the same people that they keep bringing up and saying that's the best that they can bring us. Well, guess what? We're tired of the best you can bring us. Democrat, Republican, any way they go, there's no other choice but Donald Trump. Where's America going to go? We've already spiraled down so far. There's nowhere else for us to go. What are we going to do? We're going to let our dollar drop to the very bottom? No, we can't. My children will not have an America if we don't do something about it now. It's plain and simple. The, uh, the Cruz plan that he's wanting to put out, Mr. Big Oil, Ted Cruz from Texas, mm-hmm. what's the number one thing we export out of the United States? Oil. You don't want to put a tax on oil? Well, who's going to get rich off the oil? The big oil lobbyists. And that's who's backing Ted Cruz. 
Well, I tell you what, I, I, now that you brought that up, is that, I mean, it would have had to be another president from Texas, but, the, go now, ahead. Please don't get me wrong, I voted for George Bush. Mm-hmm. I'm a Republican, but I've seen this movement that is going on in the United States. I've you just answered my, my next question, go ahead. <laughs> the movement is going on in Ohio alone, it speaks for itself. I was out all night last night until 9 o'clock putting out yard signs. Spent the day in the campaign office making signs. Went out and put them out to people. People wasn't asking for one. They were asking for six so they could give them to their neighbors, their friends. They support Donald Trump. Kasich's not going to win Ohio. And do you think, let's say... I'm a ground pounder, sir. I mm-hmm. don't make phone calls. I don't let people hang up on me. I go out and knock on doors. And I talk to the normal, working, individual, American, gun-loving, God-fearing Americans. We're tired of it. We're tired of what they're bringing up for us to vote on. Marco Rubio, the Mr. No Show Marco Rubio, he's the worst worst one out of all of them, the senators. He's, worst, he's never, he doesn't show up to vote. So we're going to vote for someone that ain't going to show up and be in our White House? There's no way. At least people with common sense say <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. But then you get these kids over here that want to protest, and they want to scream and holler that their First Amendment rights ain't. I'm sorry. They should have been spanked when they were little kids and got taught how to I know act. I was. Okay. <laughs> There's a right and wrong. They got the belt. <laughs> we, ha- we have our First Amendment rights to come here in this building to listen to Mr. Trump speak. They have no right to stop us. They have no right to come in there and break this up. That's not what First Amendment rights is. Mr. Marco Rubio is supposed to be the big person that defends the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. So is Ted Cruz. What stance did they take? They didn't say that Donald Trump had a right to have a uh, meeting in Chicago for everybody to come to. No, they said he was wrong for doing it. Let that happen and then let's see what mm-hmm. side of the fence they're going to stand on then. That's a good point. Good point. Now, one of the things that, you know, and I'm asking this because, you know, it's in the media, they're talking about it. Okay, and they're and saying. First of all, can you say anything else? I'm going to let you know. Sure. My name is Floyd Croucher, I live in Trenton, Ohio. I am an average person. I am not a politician. I'm not in no group. I don't. All I am here is to make America great again. I'm here to support Donald Trump because I feel he is our only hope for America. That and God. There's the only two things that's going to help America. Now, no, and I've been asking this of everybody because it is something that is being talked about. Is that, uh, for one, almost everyone it seems is out to get Trump. Whether you're a politician on the right, politician on the left, some media, you know, organizations, protesters are all, and there's a reason for that, I'm sure. Let's say that does affect the polls. Let's say that does affect the delegate count. Let's say that we do go to a brokered or a contest convention. Now, if, let's say they would do that. There's so many scenarios that can happen. But let's say that, okay, we'll ask a couple questions on this topic if you don't mind. Let's say the RNC does their chicanery like they did in 2012, and they pick somebody else. It doesn't matter who. It's not Trump. It's not even Cruz. Let's say it's somebody else. Would you vote for that candidate against Hillary Clinton? I'm a Republican, okay? The Republican Party will decide who we're going to vote for. The people will come together. We're going to vote. This is how it works. For these people to say, don't vote for me in Florida and vote for me in Ohio, or vote yeah. for him in Ohio and don't vote for me in Florida, that's not how the system works. That is called monopolizing the system. You're trying to beat the system. You're no better than the Democrats if that's what you're wanting to do. But the superdelegates. What you want to do is beat the system. The superdelegates. Okay? We're the people. We're the silent minority is what we are. 
we are coming out and we are speaking loudly. We're showing majority up in groves. Majority Thank and you. <laughs> okay, not minority, majority. We're showing out in groves to see Donald Trump. We're supporting our candidate. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. No, we're, just show, we're just showing our right to come here to listen to our candidate. And we support it. The status quo is done. And if these politicians can't figure it out, and they can't get aboard with what's going on in the United States right now, guess what, pal? You better get in line because there's a lot of people on unemployment because that's where you're going. Do you think that the Republican Party, let's say he gets a nomination. Let's say he does make the, the delegates that he needs to get. Do you think the Republican Party and the RNC they have will, no other will, will support him? They have no other choice to support him or they will ruin the Republican Party. It will be up to them, not up to Donald Trump. It's up to them. If they want the Republican Party to stand and keep going forward, if they reject Donald Trump after the American people has spoken, all they will do is destroy the Republican Party. No, no, and I would agree with that statement. And I think let's say he does become a brokered or contested convention, and that he he doesn't quite. I think the smart thing for the Republican Party to do, the RNC to do, say, look, as you pointed out, the people have spoken, whether they've spoken for Donald Trump or whether they've spoken for Ted Cruz. And this is the only way this would happen would be if the RNC made him do it. To say, look, we're going to have. Trump says he got the most votes, and I think he will walk away with the most votes, regardless of whether he, he wins outright or, you know, or he does it into the convention. Or he would be the, you know, and this could happen in the beginning until they start really attacking him, where you would have uh, the ticket be, you know, a Trump cruise. That would be the only way to see it through the broken convention. Happen. That won't happen. I'm not, uh, Donald Trump is not going to pick. No. no. Let's say the RNC, because of the different delegate ballots. Says, it's look, like in order for us to bring the party you can together. Talk hypothetical stuff for the news media, or for your radio show, or whatever you want to make news. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes you no better than Fox. It makes you no better than CNN or them kids across. I'm not going to mm -hmm. talk hypothetical or sure. what could happen. Okay. All right. That's, That's fair like enough. Mr. Like Mr. Trump, he doesn't reveal all of his plans. When you go to war, do you tell them what you're going to do when you go to war? Mm -hmm. Well, heck, no, you no. don't. And that's all we've done for the last eight years in the administration that we're under. He tells them every move we're going to make. Well, Donald Trump ain't telling the people that he's running against what he's going to do. That's so smart. No, I, I understand. And it, but I'm just saying is that is a possibility. It is something that's being talked about. It is something to consider if we find ourselves, okay, as it's a voter. It's not going to happen. Okay. It's not going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen. I believe the news media has beat this up so they can get ratings. They can make a what if or if this happens a scenario. It's not going to happen. All right? When did it happen last? Well, that, that's true. I mean, the Republican Party did everything they could to stop. Well, here's the thing. The, no, here's the thing. Do you uh, want to destroy the Republican Party? Well, I'm an independent, so I you know, well, really. do they don't Do they don't want to re destroy the Republican Party? I wouldn't party? think they'd want to. Well, anybody with common sense would tell you that they don't want to. But what they want to do and what they're going to do, I think they better get in line and they better get, come up and make America great again. Mm -hmm. I think they better stand behind the front runner, which is Donald Trump. Do you think uh, that if they don't do that and they do split things, do you think they go by the wayside like the Whigs? Yeah. Like I said, I think they just got themselves a ticket in the unemployment line because guess what? That's where you're going to be because America's speaking right now. You better jump on board and get on the Trump train while they got a chance. Okay. Is there anything in the facets of all the other people that uh, you know I've interviewed? Is, that, is there any particular issue or something you're not seeing being talked about, or anything that you specifically would want to emphasize? You know about either the, the campaign, about Trump, about anything in America. What's your thoughts? Now, I think Mr. Trump's doing a fantastic job. I think he's saying exactly what the American people want to hear. Um, he's not just saying what the American people want to hear. 
he's saying what people don't want to come out and say in a crowd because of the PC police that are out there. People may put Mr. Trump down because he may talk a little rough or this and that, but I'm sorry, he's speaking the language that the American people understand, the common working people understand. And that's why Donald Trump is the head of the polls right now. That's why Donald Trump's going to be the next president of the United States. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Appreciate sir. it. By the way, I want you to know you're talking to me that doesn't even have an education. Well, right. well thanks for uh, coming out tonight. Oh, I better. Well, we're still on. And I can't recall whether he was a first time uh, voter. I had a couple of those when I went to. Uh, nothing's actually back you can go to. Uh, go to rallies. You kind of missed that. Um, <laughs> you can't do that now. Sometimes I think that's one of the, another reason why they want to keep things shut down because they certainly don't want the American people to see the support that Donald Trump actually has. Um, you know, for that. And so, I mean, again, this was you know, this wasn't even in the general election. Uh, that uh, that that audio. That was when I. Uh, did some interviews, and I missed doing live interviews. I I thought about doing some tonight, but it just it wasn't the venue uh, to do it at the event, the Trump event I went to this evening. So it just wasn't the event to do it. But uh, anyway, uh, it looks like we're coming to uh, closing comments, uh, Suzette. So uh, let's go ahead and bring it to that, and then I'll, I'll close things up for the night. All right. Well, thank you. It was a very good show. Uh, I enjoyed it very much, and I enjoyed uh, participating. And um, I, I like what that gentleman had to say. He's very direct and uh, good advice as far as stop listening to the news and and uh, political commentary because they're all saying the same thing, almost verbatim, <laughs> if you pay attention. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Trump 2020. Oh, yeah, I know. You must accuse me for, for doing it. <laughs> 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 That's okay. That's okay. Well, anyway, yes, yeah, so anyway, I appreciate it. We'll, you know, ha- half next week, um, where we will, uh, we'll, you know, we'll come together again, and and we'll see uh, what we'll be uh, discussing there. I've kind of melded two different shows into into one tonight, uh, so you know, I, d- I definitely appreciate it. And so, uh, no, um, so we'll we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone for coming to the show. And again, if you're listening to the program, whether it is uh, live or through the archive, if you could share the link for tonight, so we can get other folks to uh, listen to the show, uh, that'd be uh, appreciated. And definitely, you can subscribe to the Bars Logic Newsroom. Uh, by you know, cl- you know, clicking on uh, the button there, it'll just send you a weekly. You're not going to get inundated with with email, so just be an equally a weekly email uh, that you'll get. But I will uh, end tonight as I do every night to do the song, and that is the song by Aubrey Ashburn, and kind of a, a nice soft music to kind of bring me to uh, uh, calm down a little bit after uh, a show. So uh, thank you very much, folks. We will see you uh, next time, and uh, have a good week. Have a safe week. And have a good night. Um, Happy birthday to my dad. He's going to be 90 on August 30th, this Sunday. Thank you. Oh, happy birthday, Dad.